0: Hello, hello, hello,
1: hello, hello. It's good to see you say hello. Welcome to the Huskies Aki Podcast, your number one resource to remind you that whatever happened against Vericef and State in 18 seconds can always be topped when Motzko is in the NCAA tournament. I'm Weldy, sitting here with Andrew, and it took just 10 seconds into overtime uh, for the full Motzko shell to cave in on itself, and uh, Quinnipiac wins the national championship, one and two in the pairwise, nearly all season long. Uh, But, you know, I I gotta say... (sighs) as as petty as this may be god does it bring a smile to my face
0: yeah it was
1: i was surprised how
0: giddy i was and yeah as you said it it is i i want to be careful here you know there's like a k-fan bit when the packers blew that game against the seahawks in the playoffs and it's like this was one of the best game, best days in Vikings history, um, when the Packers lose um, in in that fashion. I want to be careful not to take the same route here. Obviously, we would have much lo- much more preferred if Saint Cloud was uh, involved in that game. But uh, with every, with all the intangibles at play there, uh, particularly the guy behind the Minnesota bench, uh, it it certainly. It certainly was. Uh, uh, I, I was. I was. I was um, enjoying that, probably a little too much. But it was a good game. Like, in, well, and the, for a tournament that had been to that point kind of devoid of a lot of drama and a lot of good games, it was a good game. No matter what the close of the teams were, um, it was a solid, <laughs> solid title game. So I'll give it that at least.
1: Yeah, and you know when North Dakota won. Like, um, what was that? 2017? Um, 2016. The yeah, last time. that in 2016. Tampa. Yep. Yeah. The last time I was in Tampa. Like, that was a gut punch because I hate the team so much. Like, I hate North Dakota so much. I don't even really hate the Gophers as much or either anymore, but it's just the Bob Motzko factor. It's just that is where I get all of my goodness from. Is uh, is seeing or or having him again, and this is stuff that I've been warning about uh, the the uh, the Gophers team throughout the season, and you know privately also to friends who think that uh, you know the the top line is the greatest line ever assembled, and it's like (laughs) if it dries up, you got nothing, and and. You know, what happened here in this uh, game against Quinnipiac where you, you get up to nothing and just, I don't, it felt like they never had, the only time that they had possession was on the two-on-one that Snugger and missed the net in the third. Um But other than that, it was just like, I, I don't know if you have a Ferrari in the garage, why you only keep it in second gear and just play in this, try to clam it down type of style. It was it was mind-boggling to watch for me.
0: Well, and it was – the whole tournament was uh, – I mean, I, I would say – I would push back on the notion that if you get if you shut down the top line, you got nothing because their depth was what was carrying them in this tournament. Um, and, you know, in the Frozen Four, the only goals that the top line scored were the empty netters against BU. And then even in the regional, you had the Cooley breakaway against St. Cloud. And then he, I think he had a couple of garbage time goals in the in the Canisius game. But the important goals in the Canisius game that Hugel and I thought had a really good tournament for them, um, and then that Brodzinski line as well, the second line with Nelson uh, and uh, who's the other guy on that line with Brodzinski? Blanking on it, um, uh Nevers. But um, I thought those two lines were pretty solid for them all tournament, and it was I think a key. If they were going to win this tournament, it was going to be because of depth and defense, two things that, especially defense, which was playing very strong uh, and not something that I automatically uh, associate with the Moscow coach team. But um, they were able to withstand it up until two minutes to go, 2.47 to go in the third. And I thought goaltending kind of let them down in this game as well. Uh, and Mm -hmm. that's kind of what did him in and a game plan. I'm not, I mean, obviously you have the, did Moscow go into a prevent defense? It's, it sure looked that way. You have to give Quinnipiac uh, credit for, for returning the tide, uh, or turning the tide. I I suppose after that first period was, was pretty much dominated by the Gophers, but especially after that second goal, it seemed like their game plan was once we have that two goal lead. Now we got to clamp down. And we just got to play defense and kind of take the foot off the gas offensively. And whether or not that was a conscious decision or if that was just a inability to react to an adjustment that Quinnipiac had made uh, either way.
1: Or being a young, inexperienced team when, you know, big games like this you know, Quinnipiac has been into a lot of situations here over the past couple of years. So, I mean, I think that also kind of played a factor too with, um, you know, that age and experience, yeah, he, he you know, being that, that coded language. Older. Yeah, it's good.
0: <laughs> um, waiting for a, Canadi- a Canadian just trigger. drop. Just, a bunch of Canadians on the team, too.
1: Uh, just, just some trigger words for that while they have their eight-year starter at quarterback. Yeah,
0: and, and Justin Close, who's turning 25 <laughs> next month. I mean, don't hear anything about that, but. Uh, oh, no. Um, yeah, the excuse making makes it that. I mean, that's almost what makes it more fun. Is is to hear the excuse making, uh, and and yeah, and, and, and like said, the Bosco factor. I said it a couple of weeks ago with you know those karmic justice. He's never going to win a Natty. Well, karma's a bitch, Bob, ain't it? Uh, and <laughs> this one was one where uh, you had that game, and we've seen it so many times as St. As Cloud fans. This sort of third period uh, play not to lose mentality and i'm I'll give them credit to make it as long as they did without giving up the tying goal
1: um but yeah i even I even turned to my wife too and said this sounds this looks like the type of period and the type of game where um yeah, Quinnipiac is gonna hold i think I said like a sixteen to three shot advantage and that third shot that they have is going to find the back of the net. Like it was just where it had that classic one team just dominates for an extended period of time. And then just one quick gut punch the other way. That's, that's what I was preparing myself for. Um, Then the Cooley penalty happened. And then I was like, Oh, wait a minute. Uh, This might actually be kind of brewing here. Um, I I might be wrong. So,
0: and I suppose we should, Touch on that because uh, the the Cooley penalty, which was you know an egregious, terrible call, uh, if you ask <laughs> seven out of ten Gopher fans, um, what'd you think about that call?
1: I thought it was the right call, and I have also seen people say they they should have gone two each way, but I I don't know I I felt like especially live too, you know you can you know when you're when you're in the game. I thought that that penalty was way more deserved than the first penalty where Quinnipiac got that call or that call against them for that, for that hit, because now anytime that there's a big hit, all will i like, no matter what, it's like a, it's a visceral, like a Pavlovian answer or a response where all of a sudden the arm has to go up. Um, even on the replay, I didn't, I didn't see indirect contact. I saw some follow through, sure, with the elbow, um, but I don't think the elbow hit the head at all. Um, just from my reactions at all. I thought that penalty was more wrong than I think the Cooley penalty at the end.
0: of. The well, And and also, there was that penalty they called against Quinnipiac, uh, like a hook, I think, on Nye's. I thought it was a real soft call. And then a...
1: Quinnipiac. That was a soft. Now, I actually agree with that call. If they were consistent with that call, right? But the fact that they let it go so much throughout the game, and that's the one they called, I did think that they one was they called that. Quinnipiac
0: kills it off, and a few seconds after they kill it off, there's a slash on a Quinnipiac player by a gopher that goes uncalled, and that's what that's the Pavlovian thing for for me is like when I saw that, it's like if you're gonna call that one on eyes, you're gonna yeah, you gotta uh-huh. call that one, and so yeah, the gophers I thought got the benefit of a couple of calls either calls that were penalties on Quinnipiac or no calls on some of their plays. And I agree with the the Cooley thing. I think he was more in the wrong there. If you want to take two, both of them, sure, I suppose. But see on that replay from the backside, Cooley's like, he almost does like a choke move. Um, he's getting his hands up high. And um, I thought he did more to deserve that penalty than the Quinnipiac player did. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I don't see that as being that terrible of a call. It was, it was, I think it stuck out, I think, uh, because the close ref didn't call it. The far ref does call it, which does, mm-hmm. I mean, again, these were NCHC refs. So we have plenty of experience with <laughs> I've, illogical. I've seen that all year illogical round. Illogical yeah. Calls. But yeah, I'm starting to get a, I'm starting to get a, um, opinion formed about Cooley. Um, Trigger warning. I am going to talk about character. Um, uh, as far as I'm, how I am going to define character from a hockey player, it's basically don't be a dick on the ice. Cooley kind of plays a dickish game, uh, and he's got a hothead, sort of cocky mentality. That that whole top line throughout the tournament, I thought and said, like not terribly productive when it mattered in this tournament. I thought they kind of played with like a little too much swagger, as if like we are it's like they were buying into the, their own hype and, uh, yeah, it just it, a certain amount of times where that, that Cooley penalty comes on the tail end of a minor scoring chance. that Cooley, uh, didn't convert on. And you could tell he was a little hot headed about it, a little kind of pissy. Uh, yeah. and he gets pouty in those sort of when, when it doesn't go my way, uh, he's kind of got like a Hawks vibe, you know, from the mighty ducks. Um, and he, he, I, he rubs me the wrong way. Uh, and so, uh, and you seem the I you had mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. There's early buzz that he's going to be back. Uh, it would still surprise me, but uh, now that I kind of know what I what I'm dealing with with him, he's he's kind of a fun heel to to root against. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought that one. I figured at the time if if Quinnipiac ties it up, this is going to be sort of the excuse that a lot of people land on. Sounds like Matsko somewhat uh, hinted at that in his post game, which a lot of his post game presser uh, was incomprehensible. But uh, he made some reference to that second goal, which shouldn't have shouldn't have went in because of have, the situation. Shouldn't have in. I think he can put two and two together. Either that, or he's throwing his goalie under the bus. Uh, one of the two. Um,
1: I can't imagine that. It was not a
0: good goal to give up from closest perspective. I thought it was tipped, yeah. but it seemed like it just went in five hole from that. Kind of bad angle shot. Uh but yeah, and then the go- the goalie uh, pull um at the tail end of that. Power yeah. Line, uh,
1: I I actually thought pull them sooner. Um I've oh I've always said this too. And there was a situation earlier this year where the huskies were in the situation, and I was like, pull them with you know, even though there's four minutes left, but you got an extra guy on the ice anyway, like you need a goal, go for it now. Here's your best opportunity. Um so when, you know, the power play started and Pecknell didn't uh, pull, I was a little bit surprised. And then it's like, okay, now they're pulling him. Okay, now it's the right time. To it pull. takes a or time out. out
0: the... at, at yeah, 30 seconds to go in the in the power play. And he's got an offensive zone face-off. Pulls, parrots, parrettes. Um, And it's about three and a half minutes to go in the game at that point. Which, I, my, my initial reaction was that it's a little early. Um, but... I kind of had forgotten with the timeout. I'd forgotten they still had power play time. I and mean, the ESPN didn't have the power play clock uh, at that time. So it was a little confusing, but I'm like, oh, okay. Well, six on four makes a little bit more sense. And we've seen Pecknell do this uh, with, you know, a decent amount of success, but also has backfired on. Last year, I remember in the ECAC title game against Harvard. So he was down a goal, gets a power play. I think it was a two-man advantage actually but he pulled the goalie with about seven minutes to go and they tied the game. And then of course brings the goalie back in. Obviously it's like, I, I think if they didn't score on that empty net chance, it's a possibility that he could let, or he could put Peretz back in the game. Um, it's not like he's pulling him for the rest of that game unless they, uh, you know, I think it, the, the, the positioning of the faceoff was a big key of, of pulling him at that point. Um, and, it turned out to be. It turned out to work to perfection. He, now he did that again. I said that that Harvard game last year worked great for him, even though they ended up losing that game in overtime. But he got the tying goal based on that. Then he tried that again in the regional against Michigan, and that's when Michigan scored a couple of empty netters to really salt that game away. Yeah. After they had gotten back, they, it was four nothing. Got back to four to three. Pulled them pretty early, I think, with five minutes to go or something. And then Michigan scored a couple of empty netters. And so it didn't really work in that case, but he has a proclivity to pull the goalie a little earlier than, than most. And, uh, it certainly worked like a charm this time. And even though the penalty had been killed, it was about five seconds after the power play had ended. Cooley was just getting back in the play. Um, but, so I think you can chalk up the fact that he had the extra attacker at that point, at least if it, if it wasn't tipped by Brindamore yeah. in the front, there was a lot of traffic because of the other guy, the extra attacker on the ice there certainly did make it a huge effect on the play. So I think big credit to him. And I did think, you know, Pecknell just I think he yelled coach Matsko pretty thoroughly in this game. The, the one big one too is overtime. Um, I did see some chatter that, you know, why wasn't the top line starting overtime for the Gophers? Which I think it's reasonable to, to question that. The, I think the more egregious uh move there was not not starting the overtime with Faber uh, on defense. Um yeah. if they would have won if the golfers would have won that game if it was two to one or you know, if they get empty net or something three to one, I think Faber is the most outstanding player of the frozen four. He was almost single-handedly keeping them in the lead. There was like four or five either blocks or stick uh, plays that he disrupted quality scoring chances for Kunipiak late in the second. And then throughout the third period, I thought he was by far their best player on the ice. And yeah, so you've got last last change uh, as the top seed. Kunipiak starts with their top line. I can see, okay, we'll defend. We'll have our second line out there, which has been a pretty decent line for them. Um, That Bradzinski nevers and, um, nelson line um so you defend against their top line and then probably the second the 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 first line change you'll put in that top line against you know quinnipiac's a, a lesser line for quinnipiac that would make sense to me but the fact that you started the overtime with look and kester back there and no favor doesn't make a really a whole lot of sense to me and it was kester the one that that, that was the one that was burned he bites way too aggressively on that on that uh, pass to the to the wing, and again, it's like I don't know how you create a two on one from a center ice face off. It wasn't even ten seconds because you remember the first the first face off flipped it into the bench, so it was actually it took eight seconds for them to get from center ice. To score a goal,
1: and I don't know how you how you are able. Oh, to. I I thought they reset the clock. They didn't reset the clock. It was a fake. No, I thought it was like a misdrop because the, I'm I'm so conditioned to NCHC refs and they're missing or dropping the puck incorrectly or having to call some kind of infraction. I just assume that's what happened. No, you can see the so, the final I, I,
0: play. It's it's the clock starts oh, with right. 1958 on the clock because the first one they dumped it right in the bench, um, and so. Mm from eight seconds to go from center ice to get a two on one and to score on a play like that being your winner. Again, I think that was a, a bad, a bad yeah, move to, I, to not put your best D out there to start the uh, overtime period.
1: Yeah. And it's like you said, like costs are going up to the, to, to the center ice, like pinching that aggressively, when you lose the face off clean like that too, like there wasn't even a scrum or anything for you to really pressure. You just, you just wandered into enemy territory there. And of course, all of a sudden you look behind you and it's a two on one. Um, And then I know the right wing, I can't remember who the right wing was on there. Had a little bit of a stumble. It was Brodzinski. Um,
0: And I think he kind of stumbled, maybe lost his stick a little bit. So he was kind of out of the play because Kester was pinching. Lacombe, who was the, their right defense, he had to sort of scramble to cover the left side uh, because Kester was burned. So that left that left side open. Nelson is the guy Nelson. who makes the dive. Just a great chaos end of the game because he dives and then tackles right over the rough, ref. <laughs> I think like broke his wrist. If you watch the replay, like you can tell he gets oh, up geez. and he's like rubbing his wrist. Um, and, and then he, that that all then launches the celebration for Quinnipiac with the, uh, shooting the, the, the gloves with the shotgun thing and
1: a team of strong, uh, celebration in
0: the crowd and just <laughs> chaos. And so, oh, God, I, yeah, I looped that over and over and over again. And still I'm looking at, the, I'm looking at how the gophers were playing it. I'm just like, I don't know how you bite so easily on that. Uh, and apparently this is a set play from Quinnipiac that they've tried. They've practiced a hundred times. Uh, I can't imagine they would think that the defense would play so well into their hands uh, with that play, but it was a great pass. Yeah. Well, backhand pass to get it over to Quillen uh, for the winner. And it was uh, a great goal. I mean, that's, that's gonna, again, like I said, this tournament, I don't know if is ESPN Classic still a thing, a channel, but
1: I don't think if so. it
0: was like this would be the only game of this tournament that would ever be aired on that network. Um, but be, yeah. and that goal in particular, as far as like a tournament-ending walk-off overtime winner goal, that's gotta be up there. You no, know, it's it's certainly yeah, better than it's... Colby Cohen's winner from BU, uh, the, the two hopper over the shortstop. To, to beat Miami. Um, uh,
1: better than uh, what, Schmidt? Schmidt uh, yep, in, against 2011? Uh, uh, yep. Uh, I know Dan Jacobson's going to write in saying why Schmidt's is better. Of but, course. Uh,
0: yeah, it was a, a good way to end that game. And um, yeah, I'm I was a little surprised. I I uh, I figured the Gophers were going gonna to win the game. Um, but and it's, I, I was thinking of this too. It's been a while since I've just been able to watch a, a, a title game without a strong rooting interest one way or the other, um, because it's been rivals or in 2021, it was the Huskies in the title game and the other game since 2015, there's been a, uh, a, a Minnesota team in the final every year, um, all right, it's 2016, but then you got North Dakota. So 2015 with Providence and BU is probably the last time that I've really been pretty neutral. Like I don't really care, don't have the animosity yeah. built up about, about any of these games. And there's, I mean, last year I hardly, I think I watched just the very tail end of the Denver Mankato game because I did, I, I thought again, I thought that one was one that Mankato was going to win. Did not want to see that. Um the two Duluth games, I didn't even watch a second of those games. There was no, I, I told myself I am not going to harm myself watching Duluth. <laughs> I didn't even watch a second of the 2018 Frozen Four at all. Uh, and so I've done that approach. And I was thinking about like, why, why do I want to watch? I was, if, if I, it was going to be like a four to one Minnesota win, I was going to turn it off like a minute because I was not, I could not watch Motzko raise the plaque I can't do that, uh, but this was this was better. Um, watching the stunned reactions and and then
1: did you did you think that that was going to be the case when they went up two nothing?
0: It sure was looking that way. Like you know, I, it, that was a turning point. the The first goal for Quinnipiac was a was a huge one because that seemed to I think that rattled the Gophers in the sense that I think. I think the script at two nothing was going to be yeah coasting to like a four to one five to one type win, but when Quinnipiac scores a quick one to come back, put him right back in the game. I think that's sort of when he, I kind of I went back and watched the second half of the game, and it was around the ten minute mark of the second period, halfway through the game, there was a chance that Huglin had a pretty good look uh, on sort of a backdoor play at that they didn't convert on. And from that point on their offensive push was basically non-existent and it it was sitting on their heels. Yeah. Lots of icings. You said that one, two on one with uh, Cooley and Snuggerud. And then there was a couple of, you know, halfway decent chances like the Cooley one right before he takes the penalty wouldn't call it a grade a, but still a, a a halfway decent chance, but you know, just two shots in the third period for the Gophers um, and only one prior to the tie and goal for Quinnipiac and obviously no shots in overtime. Um, so it was, like I said, as a St. Cloud fan, you've seen that script before with Moscow coach teams. I don't get it. I don't get, you know, going into a shell like that. And I mean, I read there was a piece in the rink live after they, after they beat Boston there's this piece about Steve Miller, you know, assistant coach. He's this genius, uh, and they really kind of portrayed him as just like an a I mean, Matsko literally uh, quoted was quoted saying he's just a computer. He's a machine. He just locks himself into a room and watches video. And it's like Steve Miller is going to dissect how to the game plan, how to beat Quinnipiac. I almost think they kind of overthought it because. I think their their best play was when their offense dictates the action, and I think they made a conscious choice to change that game plan and to rely on their defense. There could have been a little bit of Duluth, uh, like a motivation there. Like, see, this is how this is how you win national title. You win national titles at two to one. Uh, you, you can't you can't run play a run and gun uh, because that'll burn you. Look at Duluth. That, that's how they win. If if that is a real. Uh, universal game plan, I don't think that works with this collection of players that the golfers have. Duluth wins that way no. because they don't have the kind of offensive talent that they can dictate the pace of play um, where where many teams, most teams cannot keep up with their speed and skill. Um, you're playing almost into Quinnipiac's hands at that point by taking the foot off the gas offensively. Um, again, maybe it wasn't so much for their game plan. It was just Quinnipiac made, made some adjustments and was able to... Um, settled into their game. But for me, I, like I said, after that halfway point in the second period, I saw a noticeable difference in the game plan for the Gophers, and it burned them. Uh, it cost them a national championship, and they're up 2 nothing. It's like, this is the most Motsko-esque Motsko game of all time. And, again, what was Gopher Nation, again, I hear it again, this, this is what he was hired to do, to, to bring their title uh, the at long last back to Town. It's like, again, this guy, this is, this is the, this was the narrative. The deviation from the narrative was the previous three games in this tournament. That was, that was weird Motsko. This is the Motsko we know and love. And so it's just, like I said, it's just coming full circle like that. It's just like, this is what we, uh, you know, again, he's a great coach, but just when it comes down to that, those crunch time moments uh, it's, he's, he's lacked something. And this one was, the most notable example of that, and the the most uh, attention-gaining uh, example of that, like you do this with, in Saint Cloud. That's one thing. You do this in uh, a media market like the Twin Cities. It's amplified that much more. And so, uh-huh. that's again, if if you wanted to take the sexier job with more resources, the the other shoe there is you got a little bit more accountability, and you got more. Uh, vitriol to answer to. I I don't, frankly, you might be a better judge of this. Like, do you think the star trib and the pioneer press and K fan think they're going to be lighting a fire, uh, you know, and questioning Motzko here. And I mean, to me, it doesn't seem like Gopher
1: hockey is (laughs) front page news anymore, but no, it's, yeah, it's definitely not. And, Uh, I can't imagine anybody on K-Fan, even the people who always be on the pond, (laughs) I don't know how much they watch college hockey. So it's, you know, it was just kind of the same narrative that they always have about, you know, the Gophers are the premier team in college hockey and how dare they, they, they lose, they, they get all the best players and then it just kind of get passes over and they'll, Talk about Vikings football, because and it's always too it's because they they don't lose
0: because of these these uh, evil forces arrayed so unfairly against the Gophers. The the common sort of code words there, as you mentioned, it's the old team. Yeah, you know, it's like uh, <laughs> Quinnipiac's just older and they're bigger, they're tougher, uh, and as if the Gophers can't. Like, that, that's they've they've done that for generations. It's how we build our team is the most morally perfect way to build a team. Going back to the, I mean, how long it was into the Doug Woog era, his whole tenure was we can't recruit anyone outside the state of Minnesota, which I know sounds great, but that's such a self-inflicted limitation on your program really stupid i think um yeah but again it it gets back to this we'll get to this because we had some question about this one of our listeners had a question about this about you know it's the state of hockey it's minnesota minnesota is just we are we are the best state when it comes to hockey so you believe that you you buy into your own delusions there that's why you get four decades of closing the borders uh and hey maybe we'll 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 Cross the Red River and pick up this Patoni guy, even though he's a he's from North Dakota. Ooh, uh, not Minnesota. I don't know, but he won a national title with him. Uh, and Thomas Vanek the year after. He wasn't even from this country, uh, much less the state. Uh, and it's the same. It's it's different now because obviously they they don't uh, limit themselves to just Minnesota players. But now again, it's it's we we are the ones that. We are getting the 18 year olds here, and you're the ones that are having 24, 25 year olds on your team. It's just not morally oh. correct.
1: In all honesty, like, like you've got where's the beef, right? That that's up there, right? As as far as slogans and marketing. Um, I don't know, like what are some other ones? Like, like, like the best marketing slogans in the world. Just uh, like yeah. And it's like it think different. You know, that was that was a big one back in its heyday. And it's just like I I think all of those absolutely pale in comparison to the Minnesota Wild with the state of hockey. Like the fact that people cling on to this like it's some sort of cultural like I don't know. I don't know. Like, it's it's just this big thing. It's like, it's nothing more than an ad. Like, that's all you're regurgitating, is that this is just an ad for Minnesota Wild Hockey. It's just a claim. It's a claim. That's all
0: it is. I mean, Detroit calls itself Hockey Town. Are are you going to complain to to them that, no, we're the state of hockey. You're only the town of hockey. Ah,
1: we win because of our advertising. (laughs) We trump you. Uh, but I mean the fact that like people get upset if someone else is like, "Oh yeah, uh, they're not the state of hockey because of blah blah," blah. and it's just like it's just an ad, guys. Like, stop clinging it, on to insecurity. This. Like, this is anything more
0: than it's that. insecurity. Yeah. It's like you just can't accept just work good. We can't accept being good. You have to be the best. Why can't you just be it, Minnesota's just. It, well talk like
1: that is why we don't have a national title here, Andrew. Well,
0: any and, yeah, other sports teams too. We have what I call it's um it's one of us. Yeah, you know, anyone that is from Minnesota that br- we bring it back to the team, he's, he's one of us. It's just like, we'll we'll uh, claim Vince Vaughn because he was born in Minnesota, Minneapolis, never spent a day after that after the hospital. He grew up in Chicago, but he's still one of us because a Wikipedia page said he was born in Minneapolis it's i I don't imagine other states do this um and it but it's a trademark of Minnesota maybe i mean i i've I've seen it since I've moved away i it seems like glaringly sort of pathetic actually seeing it from a distance <laughs> now when you're in it, it's kind of like fish don't know they're wet kind of deal like you don't realize how kind of dumb it is until you leave but uh it's
1: and the goal, the golfers don't know they're wet. I
0: don't think I've ever heard oh, that. It's before. a good one. It's a good one. God, is, yeah, but is. yeah, it's, uh, the golfer hockey too is, is a specific brand of that. There's a specific set of talking points and excuses to that program in particular, because the rest of the, the athletics for that university is sort of marked by the same sort of patheticness that the pro teams are, um, but the hockey team seems to be the one where the fans, where for everyone, for the gopher football team, gopher basketball team, that's always a sort of insecure. If we go seven and five, that's a great season. And we're always like Sky Uba, we're on our way up. Always a constant rebuild. With the hockey team, it's almost like you're the Yankees. They think that they're the Yankees. So it's like a championship or bust. And it's a weird uh be, coming from the same university with the same colors and same logo to have two kind of very wildly disparate um, fan bases, or at least narratives within the fan base. It's very it's intriguing, weird, fun, psychotic, uh, <laughs> I'm just it's great i, I don't know I, I, I I'm here and I'm here for the excuse making and I'm here for all of that again, maybe I'm maybe that's not uh, uh, pleasant or kind enough for me. You know, I should look at the banners, right? That's sad. zero zero banners here to <laughs> five banners over there, so end of argument, right? But hey, if we can't win one, I don't want any of our insta rivals to win any of them either. Uh, and, uh, so uh, go Quinnipiac. This is a, it's, it's a, and from that further perspective too, a a program that I think, I mean, you you heard about like Moscow too, about rebuilding this program as if almost the narrative seems like like he wasn't, he didn't like inherit a program that was in like a Wisconsin situation. The year the Lucia's last year, they missed the tournament by 0. 0.0001 RPI points to Duluth, who ended up winning the whole thing. The year before that, the Gophers were a one seed in the tournament. They made the national title game in 2014. They hadn't had a losing season since 9 I believe. Um, this was not a Tony Granado scorched earth, single win season for multiple years situation that Moscow stepped into. It was not ideal, but this wasn't, this wasn't scorched earth. And then you take a look at Rand Pecknold from the other side. Literally yeah. built, uh, built the program from nothing. Uh, was D three? Read he was like coach. He was like full time high school teacher, coaching Quinnipiac D three hockey for like six grand a year for five or six years. And it brings him up to D three. in Atlantic hockey for a while. I think this is third building that he's, uh, helped to construct basically. And, you know, it's 10 years ago, 10, 11 years ago now, where they started to become a national power. And even at that point it's like, is it Quinnipiac? Is it Quinnipiac? People still didn't get it. I remember that frozen Four of the goal, uh, the Huskies played them and it's just like, yeah, we're going to cut through them because they're the you know, easy AC, you know, and the easy, they easy. don't play anybody three times now they've made the frozen Four. three times. They've made it to the title game. This is obviously the first time the one whole thing, but they've been a, a, a very, very good program for a, a long time now. And I, I do feel like they don't get a lot of respect in, 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 the West, uh, in college hockey. And yeah, I don't think they play the strongest schedule, but you know, that's part of it is they, they can't, they can't, uh, be in charge of how good those other ECAC programs that are on their schedule, you know, they're not in charge of, of their programs. They can only play what's on their schedule and they've made an attempt to uh, schedule tougher non-conference games. Went to North Dakota this year, went to BC this year. um, Went to Northern Ireland for games this year. Um, So (laughs) they played a majority of their non-conference on the road. Um, And so I, I, we saw, I think they're definitely a deserving champ, not just this year, but I think for the whole sort of 10 year run here, it, it would have been a shame for him not to get a natty in this title in this, in this time frame. So I, I am glad for him, uh, for Pecknold and for, and for the, the university and yeah, for the, uh, for the night that I was really a Quinnipiac fan, it was a pretty good night. Uh, I like that uh, that Quillen and, and the Brindamore and I don't know if all Metza I thought was very impressive, their their defensemen. Um and uh Peretz uh showed up too. You know, they had that fluky first goal that they gave up, bad sort of outlet pass by the the defenseman, but I thought Peretz was clearly a, a, a notch above close uh in net and um you know he's put up two just killer seasons for them as well. So yeah, I don't. We 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 are mainly focusing here on on the maybe the Schadenfreude of the Gophers losing, but not not to be forgotten is is the effort from from the Bobcats. I, I did. I'm sure someone on Twitter had this. Uh, this is my this is the corner where I do the fairly obvious wordplay. But coming into the game, I was thinking he had Bob Bobcats versus Bob's Rats. Get it, Bob cousin Matsko rats because they're rodents, and also that Motsko's a rat. So you had all those sort of
1: uh, elements. I, I have not, I did not see that. So uh, I'll coin that to you. That's uh, That that one's pretty good. Well, thank you. Um. Yeah, and just looking over Pecknold, I mean, just looking over his year by year, even, you know, when he started with Piac as well I mean this is just year after year consistency and I was originally wondering like geez he's kept his job for that long and looking at how many wins that he has uh racked up um he was number two um on the all-time wins list without a national title um Percentage wise among amongst active coaches, I should say, um, number two, um, second to Mike Hastings. But um, so you can cross him off the list. Do you know if that, that counts won,
0: the D three uh, wins or is that just D one?
1: I think that was just okay. D one.
0: Well, he was hired like when he was in his twenties. Still, um, I mean, he's I think he's only in his fifties. Only I say, but he's been a coach for this is his 29th ninth year. But um, hired very young and. Yeah, a lot of those I think as I said the winningest coach in the last ten years in college hockey. So
1: Yeah, I mean I'm going I'm trying to go through and like there's been one season where he's been under five hundred. Ever. And that I mean I'm looking at the the CHN uh coaching record year by year. And yeah, that's what it looks like. Other than, you know, ninety five, ninety six you know, but, you know, as I'm just kind of looking through this, uh, 17, 18, they were 16, 18, and four. So if your down year is 16 and 18, that's not bad. Like I said, a couple bad. of different leagues, t- t-
0: um, Atlantic hockey to then ECAC. Who knows? Maybe there's a, a so. move into Hockey East. They figure that's still maybe the step up from ECAC I wouldn't put it past him and he seems committed too like there's been rumors of of his his name will float around there when there's a a big job out east but it seems like he's committed he's a lifer to Quinnipiac uh watch he takes like some NHL job next week or something but um (laughs) I would doubt it. it it feels like he's he's gonna be there for until he decides to hang it up uh and uh certainly this was uh the capstone of his career so far. And yeah, congratulations to him.
1: So um, you know, out of that championship game, um, you know, at least for the Gophers, uh Lacomb signed. Yep. Um uh we've got uh Faber obviously right uh playing for the wild right now. Um nice. just watched uh, him a little bit earlier knifes, playing for Toronto. Knives Toronto. Um, but yeah, like you said, uh Cooley. Um who is stuck uh, sticking around? Draft uh, or not sticking around? We haven't heard anything yet, so it's still in limbo. Um, little surprised if he does come back for another year, uh, maybe to work on his temper. I guess that could be something that he can work on here. But um, you know, I was kind of wondering—is obviously the money is one aspect of it, but I wonder how much the arena is the other. Like well, you know, it, you know, playing in front of ten thousand and Mariucci or. 5,000 in Arizona like that's you know that might be something yeah the more I was thinking
0: about it you know I'd said a couple of weeks ago I would be shocked I think that was my freezing shocked if he came back Um, I think I'll dial that down to surprise I still think he's gonna leave because I think he's ready I don't think there's any question that he's ready for the next level Um, but that I did. I didn't think of that angle of, of, cause he's drafted by Arizona. And so you'd be playing in the mullet for at least the next two years. Um, if not more, there's a, uh, referendum going to the uh, Tempe voters, Tempe residents next month, which is, uh, if, if that passes, then that, that will be their new NHL building. Um, and it'll be very close to the mullet, uh, also in Tempe. Um, but, um, Arizona politics is very unpredictable from what I've gathered in my time here. So I wouldn't put that as like a shoe in that that's going to pass. Uh, there is brother some lawsuit with the city of Phoenix for some reason. I think it's due to like airport issues. Uh, so that's, it's far from over is what I'm saying. Like, but at least in the short term, they're still uh, going to play in the mullet and, That is an interesting wrinkle that I hadn't considered. But the other one is, I think the conventional wisdom is, yeah, Arizona sucks. So they definitely have the roster space uh, to give him not just playing time, but like regular top six minutes potentially playing time. But it might actually work the other way around. It might work the other way around, too, from Arizona's perspective. Do they want to bring him in now? when they really don't have any plans to be competitive um, at least like the next two years when they're still in mullet, if they have any long-term plan, it's let's just keep our head above water until we get our own building. And maybe then we'll start to invest in the team and take this seriously and try to feel a winning team. So from their perspective, why burn a year of him when we're still not even trying to win? if we can keep him down to the Gophers, that's basically our farm team or minor leagues. So keep him down there. And that'll, we don't want, we just don't want him now yet because we can get an extra free year out of him if he stays with the Gophers for a year. So there might, it might be like they aren't in any hurry to sign him either because they're figuring why, why burn a year of him here when we're going to be a last place team or a battling with the Blackhawks to be who's, who's last place in that division. Uh, they could just wait until, you know, one year later that that's one year closer to them taking a, a, a serious uh, look at being a competitive team. So there's that as well. So again, I number three pick and, you know, he was a Hobie finalist uh, second in the country in scoring. Like I said, I think it would make the most sense that he would just go pro. But my confidence meter of that has, has definitely dwindled. And the fact that they didn't win at all either, uh, that might be another sort of let's, you know, if they would have won it, perhaps that's, you don't get, you've checked that box off. So that's one reason not to come back. Well, now because you lost the game, maybe this gives you the motivation to come back for a second year. I, I don't know. What what are you thinking?
1: (sighs) It's, I don't know. I'm always on the side of money, yeah, <laughs> when it comes to this situation and um, being able to. It's like, but how the uh, you know free agency and everything works in uh, for the NHL. You know, it, it's not. At least I'd have to double check, but I don't think it's based on you know a m- number of years. It's based on your age, so it's not like you can move it up. By you know having the contract start a little bit earlier, you're still gonna have to to write it out till you're a certain okay. age before you can have any type of control when it comes yeah. to your contract and obviously hold out and there's other things you could do but um yeah i I thought he was gone too. I thought we would have made a decision by now, but you know maybe in the plan and maybe they want to know where. Arizona's draft pick is going to be, I mean, if they're getting Bedard as well, you know, it's, um, you know, who, you know, that, uh, you know, might throw a couple of things kind of um, in the air. So uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens and, um, you know, really what happens over the next couple of weeks um, in regard to them. Do you know, or do, Not really do you know. Do you have any thoughts about the semifinal games? Um, uh, You know, I know we talked uh, quite a bit here about the championship game for the Schattenfreude, but uh, as far as the uh, Quinnipiac-Michigan game or the uh, BU-Minnesota game, uh, any any lingering thoughts here about uh, those games before we move on?
0: Yeah, I mean, the Quinnipiac-Michigan game was – yeah, I was not very thrilled with Michigan. Three of those goals I thought were were not great. Two sort of uh, off, the <laughs> off the back plays, and then that <laughs> the last one, uh, the Metsa goal. Yeah, they scored an empty end right? So it would have been the fourth goal I thought was uh, not a great one for him to give give up either. That's sort of the type of Big Ten performance that we've come to see come to know in the NCAA's where. I mean, their two goals were scored pretty flashy plays, but then sort of just sloppy defense and goaltending, and and so not terribly impressed by Michigan there. Um, But it was it was you know it it was a comfortable win I thought for Quinnipiac, and uh, not terribly um, compelling uh, at least down the stretch after that fourth goal is basically over. Yeah, that Gopher BU game was was decent for the first two periods. Um, you know, Gophers got off to such a great start, uh, just flying. It didn't seem like BU could really uh, maintain contain them at all. And Comesso was really keeping him them in that game with several great saves. Uh, and then I thought a bunch of penalties that. that um, went the gopher's way. I mean, he had had three straight penalties.
1: That was, yeah, that was so exhausting. uh,
0: Basically like a full two minutes of two main advantage time because it was three Mm -hmm. penalties all in a row. And that's was the difference of the game because they get out of the second period tied at two and then they score that the goal on the five on three um, in early in the third period and, and then stretch it to four to two shortly thereafter. And that was pretty much ball game. And so again, yeah, you want to complain about that cooley call. Like I think it was seven to two was the penalties in favor of uh you know, Boston took seven penalties versus two yeah. for the Gophers in that game. So 7-3 yeah.
1: seven, seven seven three 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 were so, the power okay. plays. Uh,
0: but uh I thought that was that was um, a clear that, advantage for them.
1: Um commenso, uh goaltender for BU uh signed with, with I, the uh with the Blackhawks. But I saw that uh oh. Hudson decides to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as uh, St. Cloud State, obviously Wrinkle, yeah. Bassey, being a Blackhawks draft pick, um, you know, whether or not whether it's uh, you know, decision by Bassey or if that's a decision by uh Chicago, I think it bodes well at least that Bassi is gonna be our starting yeah. goaltender here next and year. I didn't
0: realize that Comessa was um, also a draft pick of theirs. Um interesting mm-hmm. that they've got two college goalies have the rights to two college goalies. Um, I, I, I guess I haven't, I don't remember a scenario where uh, two, one team had two, two goalies playing college at the same time, but figure that Camesso is probably a little more ready than Bassey at this point, mentioning like, we didn't know what the Chicago goaltending situation is. I saw that Alex Stalock is playing goalie for them. now. Yeah. So it sounds like, or at least it appears, that goaltending is wide open for the taking there. Whereas like Devin Levi, uh, he's been playing, I think, the last two or three games for Buffalo, and they don't seem to have a, a real long-term solution. He might be the long-term solution. So it of depends on what team that you get drafted by and what their specific situation is. And sometimes it works in your favor if you have a really good team. Um, because they were going to be, like Faber, for instance. Uh, I'm not saying that the Wild are very good. You can debate that or, or not, but they're a good team. and But it seems like he's getting the opportunity there because they are in a competitive window and they want to see what they got with Faber. Whereas a team like Arizona, Chicago, San Jose, any of these bottom feeders, they might not have the, the it, it, you can see it both ways. Like, we got the ice time for you. Uh, And we got really nothing to lose because we're not really competitive. Um, But that can also work the other way around too. It's like, yeah, we, we kind of want a tank. Uh, We want the, we want the either Fantilli or Bedard. So we're not really interested in seeing what we have here too. So it's sometimes it's being that the, the best situation a lot of times is if you're a free agent, because like Mietten we're talking about with Toronto, Tougher lineup for him for a guy like him to crack at this point, or have a pro offer come his way. You know, if he was a free, if he was not drafted by Toronto, there was a chance. You now, then, thirty teams, uh, thirty-two teams, could have the opportunity to say, "Hey, we'll take a flyer on him." Um, but because he's locked into Toronto, um, they, it's just his market dwindles from thirty-two to one. And if that one team is not willing, not ready to offer anything to you, a deal for to you at that point then your options are that, are that much more limited. So sometimes the drafted players, you know, it can work both ways, it can be great, but it also can be a curse too. So uh, that's the I, – I, lo- I, I do find it interesting. It's the one sport here where you have the ability to have draft rights and, but still play college. But then this whole, mm-hmm. like, y- you can play the Frozen Four on Saturday and then Faber's in the lineup in the NHL tonight. Same with Nye's. Um, you can still play like this little cup of coffee for this last week in the regular season, even into the playoffs for some of these players. Um, but the ability to play in the same season, both college and NHL, like you can't do that. Like the basketball, the college basketball tournament's over, but imagine if some of those college players could then just hop onto an NBA team here for the stretch drive. Like, I think it's an interesting wrinkle of hockey in the NHL and college, uh, which I like. And so it's, it, it makes it fun.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, probably does, a put a, put a bow on the, uh, and, uh, college hockey season overall. And, uh, what a ride uh, that it's been got a new champion, another first time champion. Good. Uh, have had a good string of champions, um, you know, that, uh, you know, for the nineties and early aughts and whatnot, it was always kind of the same rotating couple of teams that it felt like Um, late nineties, at least obviously we go to like Lake Superior, et cetera, but, um, but uh, yes, a new blood. I mean, that just goes to the depth of college hockey and that's um, overall, I think that's a really good um, status of the health of the Mm -hmm. sport. So, Um, we'll move on to a little bit of news and notes, but I think we got an ad read, um, really quickly here, Andrew. So if you want to go ahead and take it away. Yes.
0: Well, yeah, we have our Herbie's coming up. And so I was able to pound the pavement here and secure some, uh, some support. Um, you know, our, our advertisers are, are very important. I know I've been spacing on it lately, but, uh, it's good to have them back, and for this special show, we're going to get into the Herbies later. Uh, it's, it's good to have uh, some sponsors for this show. So today's show is brought to you by Gramp Aid. Gramp Aid. is the leader in sports drinks specifically targeted to people over the age of 60. Each can of Gramp Aid is custom-engineered with a blend of vitamins, minerals, and nutrients that gives seniors the ability to go the distance and feel their strongest. Whether it's playing in your senior hockey league, Relaxing with some chair yoga or half power walking around the mall. Grampade is the secret for strength and stamina. Insert personal story of your experience with Grampade. Oh, all right. Uh, I'm sorry, Doug. I I know you're listening. He's my Grampade rep. When you write these, if you're, you got to put this in like italics, because I'm just going to read these out loud, these instructions out loud. Uh, it's not like I. Imp- it's not like I uh, practice reading this before the show. So okay, insert personal story of your experience. Gra- Grant Paid. I've I've had some good personal experience with the Grant Paid. Uh I've tried their Grant Paid Junior. Uh, it's quite good, uh, and uh, everyone that has tried the original Grant Paid, uh, uh they have told me very good things about it. So yes, I I, I have a great uh, personal experience with Grant Paid. All right, so moving on. Uh, where was I? Okay. Uh, 2002 Masters runner-up Retief Goosen says, Grampaid gives me the drive I need to keep me energized through my whole round. Grandpaid isn't just for the young at heart. It's also available to, to those who are literally young. Our award-winning Grandpa Jr. is perfect for those young whippersnappers in the 40 to 59 demographic. Listeners to the Huskies Hockey Podcast can get 20% off and a free keychain can opener. When you go to grandpaid.net slash order and enter the promo code HUSKY. That's grandpaid.net slash order and enter the promo code H U S K Y. Grandpaid. To stay golden in your golden years, choose Grandpaid. G R A M P A I D. Grandpaid.
1: All right, perfect. Thank you so much, Grandpa. Uh, a little bit of news and notes. Um, we have a new head coach uh, for the Minnesota State Mavericks, and we can go ahead and uh, <laughs> love it. I, I, I gotta, I gotta find. Did you just crack open a grandpa? Is that what you just did? I, I mean, I, it's Grandpa Junior, but um, oh, the Junior for the young at heart, right? That's right. So, um. So, yeah, Minnesota State um, hires a uh, coach for the uh, Hastings' uh, departure and goes to Ohio State, plucks their, um, their assistant coach. So using, I guess, the same formula as uh, St. Cloud, um, where uh, although obviously Larson didn't come directly from Ohio State, but um, had a little time in Ohio State uh but luke strand uh named named the name the coach has quite the rise um you know success in the u s h l assistant coach um here at the college level getting his uh first shot here at uh at a head coaching job and uh that's where uh mankato turns
0: and importantly it seems to check off a key box for mankato
1: uh no hair.
0: which uh, yeah
1: that's uh, we got another in the bald brigade. <laughs> So that's uh you know where that's their very priorities important. are at.
0: It's, uh, are you a Kojak? Jack? Um, yeah, and it's, reading his bio, I didn't uh, Google this enough, uh, and I should do that, but it mentioned he had some time, I believe it said he mentioned, they mentioned some time at Eau Claire, which reminds me that one of the finalists for the SESU women's job last year was this guy, Eric Strand who was the head coach at UW-Eau Claire for their women's team. Wondering if they're related? Strand? Both hockey coaches? It's not that far-fetched of an idea. Uh, 50 plays he's in his 50s, which is a little surprising. I figured they go a little younger. But um, it, this is sort of what I was expecting, like, last week when I was talking about it. Like, I don't know if I said this, but it's like, I be- I would have bet that we have not heard of the guy. Like, did not think they were going to hire up a Patelney or like a current head coach. It's going to be someone from the junior ranks, or at least in this case, you know, he's been at the Iowa state staff for a year, but majority of his resume is at the USHL level. So yeah, yeah. we'll see how much, uh, I mean, I don't think we mentioned this cause it was after, after our show last week, a kind of a mass exodus of Mankato players after not only Hastings leaving, but then especially after Todd not decides to not take the job, it was made official today that he's the assistant at Wisconsin. Now that was sort of a foregone yeah, associate associate head coach. That was the foregone cl- conclusion there, but guys like Celia, who we raved about um, Fitzgerald also like a 30 point season are in that ballpark, both those guys in the transfer portal, uh, four or five guys total, um, Uh, announced transfer portal moves shortly after the not uh, announcement that he was not going to take the job. Wonder how many of those guys are going to end up at Wisconsin? I don't think all of them will, but wouldn't be surprised if some of them do. Uh, Have you heard anything uh, regarding not only them, but other transfer uh, action today? I checked it earlier and I didn't see any involving Minnesota State players, but like that's Cilia. I'm sure he's a prized commodity. I mean, a lot of teams would, He might be the best player to hit the portal this year. Um, so uh, be very interested to see where he lands. But, um, but yeah, this, uh, yeah. as far as from Mankato's perspective does not surprise me that they went this route and we'll see if he can, um, how, if he can build that program back up to at least, you know, CCHA, uh, competitive top, top of the conference team. Cause I don't think that's out of the possibility out of the realm of possibility, but just based on the amount of roster purge uh, following this uh, coaching uh, change uh, it, he's got his, uh, he's got his hands full. So be interested to see what he does uh, in, in the new job.
1: Yeah. When when I saw that Sylvie was, you know, I mean, that's kind of the one that's like kind of like the big bombshell. Like that's, that's the one where it's like, that's turning some heads. There's, you don't often see 20 goal scores, um, uh, that end up being in the portal. So it's, um, yeah. Fitzgerald, you know, um, you know, they were shown to be into the portal, um, you know, about a week ago and no, uh kind of movement on them yet so you can kind of tell i think you know sometimes you can get like it makes it seem like there would be like whispers um about things might be happening behind the scenes before somebody goes into the portal i just again that's a theory i don't know if it's true but it feels like they're in the portal and then two days later they're with somebody else it's like you feel something else was happening there um you know, I felt like with this exodus so far with the Mankato players, you know, I feel like six days in the portals is quite a bit. <laughs> so, um, maybe that I'm just used to a lot of that more. So, but, you know, I got uh, Sydney Wolf here on my alerts. So, anytime she tweets, I am like, okay, what's going on? I got Sydney. I got two. I've got Sydney Wolf and Al Apple. <laughs> Those are my two go-to when it, when it comes to the alerts right now. So uh but Al Appleby is just doing Cincinnati zoo stuff. I don't know what he's getting at with that, but uh that's that, that's not my breaking husky news that I need to get my that uh that I that I have my alerts on for him. But um
0: yeah, so interesting that April 4th. So that would have been last Tuesday. Yep. Minnesota State picks up a Denver transfer Tyler Haskins, freshman, who would have like picked him up then? Because that was after the point that not turned him down. Hastings wasn't there. I think they had another assistant still there. So apparently he is picking up transfer portal there trash. There we go. Uh, I remember being intrigued when I saw that. Uh, so, yeah, you don't even need to have a head coach. Or an associate coach in order to, to snag transfer guys. But uh, just today, April 10th, recording this on a Monday, nine new players in the transfer portal entered today. Nine, nine, nine times. And all of those nine players coming from Frozen Four teams. Uh, five from BU, three from Michigan, one from Kunipiak. and some regular players in some of these cases, all seniors. So I'm wondering if there's some graduate studies kind of complications with some of these. Um, Yeah. Six of these, seven of these, six of these, sorry, six of them are are seniors. So um, that sort of opens things up uh, a little bit. And I'm wondering if there's Minnesota not on this list of anyone coming know, entering the portal from Minnesota, but, if you're going to get some action from them, it, it will be in the next few days here. So it's been a little slow. I I've been thinking about the, the portal action so far, but I think it's going to really start to heat up here now that the whole season's officially over, uh, and everyone's in their off season. So it'll be interesting to see where these players land. And yeah, surprising to see that Celia and Fitzgerald in particular are still available. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's it'll be an intriguing couple of weeks here. Um, I'm wondering, too, like, we still haven't heard anything with Anhorn or Okabi. Um We did see Cranola mm-hmm. sign a pro pro contract, AHL. Score a goal. Score a goal. <laughs> and the Penguins. Uh, went far
1: down. I think, uh, think that was on the power play, too. Okay. So him fitting right in on the power play, scoring a goal, and...
0: Yeah, so that's, I mean, we, we sort of were expecting that. It was not a not a surprise. Uh, still haven't heard anything official from Trayble, who's the other guy that McHatton had identified as a likely pro contract signee. Uh, so I, I'm just surprised that we haven't heard one way or the other, like Anhorn in particular, his plans for next year. And that really depends on who you're going to bring in too. I, I'm wondering if I you know, want the new more news to come out. I feel like this is planning on being our last podcast, at least last weekly podcast. If there was like a bunch of action though, plus I'm wondering if I, I, I feel like it's this week that we're going to get like a, at least a partial schedule release. It feels like they've been pretty good. Like a week or two after the frozen four ends the last couple of years have been releasing schedules. So that's always... A, well, we know Michigan. We know Michigan. Um, I, I, what I would assume is that we're going to get the conference schedule first. The, the non-conference will be the oh. last to be released. But at least to be interesting to see where uh, where and when uh, the, the conference action will be. Uh, we know that uh, if they're on the same rotation that they have been the last two years, North Dakota and CC are the teams you're only going to be playing one series. Don't know which you're getting the home series and which you're getting the away series. That would just be a total guess on my part. But assuming that's the those are the two teams that you only see once uh, next year, and so be interesting to see exactly who that is and and how the, the conference schedule lines up. So may, I'm just saying uh, may, this is a on the fly production meeting. If it is an especially busy week. Uh, we might jump on next week too. I don't know, but most likely it'll be monthly from here on out, but, uh, it's an exciting time of year and excited to see how all this, uh, transfer action shakes out.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've never had a off season podcast with transfer portals, So yeah, maybe we would have to flare up the, uh, the Riverside signal to, to fire up the, um, the, uh, well, the transfer portal has uh, been a thing for a couple of
0: years now. I mean, it was, it was a thing last year. That's so why they got Anhorn and
1: brookshank. So. Yeah. I feel like it's been more exciting this year though. It does. I, maybe because, maybe it's because Schlossman I've, and,
0: and Wolf are just on top of it. I don't know if they were, they were doing this last year, at least with, I don't feel like the rink live had this tool last year where it just makes it so much easy, easier to, to track the movements. Um, it's nice and convenient, quite like it actually, mm-hmm. but, uh, but yeah, and it is, but that's like the, my only source for it. It's like, I can't, I need to get into Al Appleby's mind to know exactly what's <laughs> all going on here. Uh, but
1: uh, there's no way I can get into that,
0: that, that yeah. mind um, in particular. So. Well,
1: right now it's all about Cincinnati zoo. So
0: he's playing four dimensional chess. I'll tell you.
1: Yeah, and yeah, it he's loving it. I bet. So, um, yeah, uh, Cronulla Pro. Um, I don't know. What are your What are your thoughts? Should we Should we start the start out start out with the Herbies? I think so. Or, I
0: did. Did we have any other nuggets? I mean, Fantilli winning Hobie. No. uh
1: Oh, character. <laughs> Uh, so, well, that's why that's why Cooley um, didn't
0: win it, right? Yes, because he failed the the Andrew, don't be a dick uh, uh, test. So, yep,
1: exactly. And that's
0: another that's a weird situation for him too, because normally you'd think that he'd be in the NHL right now, but he's so young that he's not even drafted yet. So, that's another strange wrinkle to this as well. So, yeah, but no, no real surprise there. Uh, Didn't think that that was... So,
1: Eichel, Eichel was drafted, right? Or was he also when he won?
0: I am not sure. I feel like he wasn't. I'm sure we could check on that, but I don't think he was. And so... Yeah, and only the third freshman to win it, I believe, other than uh-huh. Eichel in Korea. Korea, yep. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. I maybe you should check that about Eichel. That's it's interesting that you brought that up. But I don't, I don't feel like I don't think he was. I think he would have been the same age, you know. Not wouldn't have been draft eligible age wise the summer before. So. But, yeah, uh, it's – uh, yep, so like, like I said, that wasn't terribly surprising, but I f- feel like we should at least mention that. Um, Devin Levi also winning the Richter second straight year, plays two years in college, wins the Richter both years. Um, our guy Pietula missed out, but uh, – and per- Peretz was the other finalist as well, and – Seeing if he'll come back, maybe he's finally going to be a odds-on favor to win that next year uh, because Levi is is in the NHL uh, at this point. So uh, I don't think either of those selections were terribly surprising, uh, but yeah, just wanted to throw that out there for completion's sake.
1: Well, sure enough, uh, yes, he was um, undrafted, I, and by undrafted, I mean he had not been he wasn't draft eligible. eligible. Okay so um yeah so um all right um now do we actually have another ad read before we get into the Herbies? we do have
0: because the the herbies are are presented by two of our sponsors um so we could read that now we could read that after the show uh i guess it's up to you producer
1: all right, let's get on with the Herbies. Okay. I think I think uh, our fans are, are ready and are okay. excited, and uh, we'll go ahead and uh, kick it off with uh, the, uh, the 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 Herbies. So here we go. The stars are shining tonight.
0: It's the first annual Herbie Awards presented by Grandpaed and Gritty St. Cloud. Join us as the Huskies Hockey Podcast honors the very best of the St. Cloud State Huskies men's hockey team in the 2022-2023 season. Now here are your hosts, Weldy and Andrew.
1: I had to quickly change into my black tie and yes. uh, my, my my beautiful three-piece uh, double-breasted suit. I like suit. your vest. And, yeah, it's... Uh, you know, it's a two month salary as <laughs> it's supposed to be when you buy a really nice vest, but uh I don't know, you know how do you like uh, I, I got this pocket slimming. square.
0: How, how do you feel like do you do you feel like I I feel like that really ties the whole suit together for me.
1: God, I on my wedding day I forgot my pocket square <laughs> at home and like I think my w- I think my wife is like kind of let it go but i still look at all of it it's like i can't believe i forgot the pocket square
0: i didn't think that we were going to have high end pocket square discussions on this podcast Uh, ever so no now we do see that's what we get when we have to when we dress up and there's a little pomp and circumstance we got our band as you just heard um we we got them on rental um for for the night Mm -hmm. um uh rent a center Um, you can get up you, you can get a band there um so yeah it's uh i'm I'm having fun got my grandpa cracked open and uh there you go yeah uh
1: this should be fun perfect all right uh first off uh let's go ahead and um you know I guess what uh should we rehash the nominees um should I just do the uh do the intros and then yeah we'll do the like you know, do the, the sounder
0: intro and then we'll say the nominees and then We'll do, and the winner is, and we maybe gotcha. do a little discussion after that.
1: You can do it really in any order.
0: Sure. I'd I'd keep the finger award to the end, though. That's kind of like the best
1: picture. Yeah. The, oh yeah. We keep that to the yep, end. That'll be. Yep. Yep. I got. Uh, I'll do the uh, order that I did the uh the Twitter poll. So how how it's gonna work is that uh we each get one vote. Twitter gets uh one. I get one. Andrew gets one. And then whoever get got two out of three um we'll go ahead and be the winner i have to say Um,
0: i don't know who the actual winners are i i gave weldy my ballot but i don't know who the winners are i don't know who won the twitter uh, poll and i don't know how weldy voted so this is coming as a surprise to me as well as to you the listener but weldy's the arthur anderson here he's the guy that tabulated the votes and and maybe fudge the votes in his favor. Who knows? But uh, yep.
1: the winner, the winner will, to all of them is La La Land, <laughs> actually. So surprisingly, I don't know how, but uh, yes, La La Land. So, all right, uh, here we go with the uh, first category
0: the Aaron Brocklehorst Goal of the Year. Uh,
1: and the nominees are Adam Ingram, uh, Zach Okabi, Jack Peart and Brendan Bushy uh the sniper. So uh and the winner is Zach Okabi is is the winner. His uh game winner over North Dakota um with the uh, lovely feed from uh Cronola as well uh to uh el- eliminate North Dakota and their season and uh get to the uh to the Frozen uh Faceoff Championship game. I will say
0: so, I did have to I, I for me it was down to 2 it was down to Okabe and Ingram. I was kind of down to those two, um, and
1: it was down to those two for the uh, fan oh, vote too. Yeah, well, with the Okabe, Okabi getting thirty eight percent of the vote and Ingram getting thirty five percent of the vote. So it was a very close,
0: very one. close. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't have thought mm-hmm. it to be that close, but yeah, I yeah. If there are some close percentages, by all means, please please tell me how the Twitter vote went, but. Um, yeah, because but I I just think the the situation kind of really put yeah. Mokaby's over the top. You know, Ingram's an early season uh, non-conference game. Maybe the technical prowess is more impressive there, but just considering what was on the line uh, at the X and, and the opponent. I do think, and, and
1: it was a pretty good and, one, too. And the North Dakota fans thinking that it yeah. was offside <laughs> yep. when the Jumbotron was on the wrong blue line. Interesting,
0: too, about those two oh. plays, the Ingram and the Okapi plays, both backhands. Both great backhand yeah. shots. Uh, yeah. And so that's an interesting... Especially in contrast to the other two, which the Peart, Rister, and the, uh, the Bushy. How much... Uh,
1: did the That was not on his backhand. That was not Bushies on his backhand.
0: <laughs> uh can you tell me what the uh percentage was on the Bushy? I bet that one was fourth place. It was more of a
1: No Bushy's really? was third, actually. <laughs> but Bushy's was fifteen percent, Pierre was twelve percent. Oh wow. Which right. which I thought the ping and the broccohurst people would uh maybe uh but no it was well I'm um, glad. I'm yeah
0: I'm glad that that, so, that uh, the bushy uh the bushy goal got some love.
1: In case you're wondering, um, I had a feeling um, I had a feeling you were going to go go Okabe, and it wouldn't have mattered what my vote was because I actually did vote Ingram. Mm. And the reason why I voted Ingram was um, just because not only was it the the goal itself, the individual effort, but that strip came just after he lost the puck as well. And my highlight didn't catch it quite enough. But um he had a chance and then he lost the puck. Um so he was able to kind of strip the puck again back and then create that play. And then it's you know for me to be that excited about a freshman um you know making a play like that I think is actually kind of rare. I mean uh Ryan Paling kind of came in obviously he was really highly touted as a freshman um but he wasn't that type of player yeah. you know i mean obviously you remember the between the legs goal but you know he was he was just a solid centerman uh that 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 didn't have you know all of the flash like i mean he couldn't dangle like like ingram did um so that's uh, that's where my vote was ingram and it was a close vote but uh, okabi gets the uh Gets the gets the goal of the year, so the Brockle Horse Award. Good job, very good. So, all right, uh, here we go with the uh, next category. Next next year, maybe I should have like actual presenters. We could do yeah. that, um, like 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 come up with like Tony Mosey here presenting the, the, the Chuck Clausen, like this one. But anyway, uh, here we go with the next category: the Chuck Clausen Moment of the Year. Uh, the nominees are uh, being the Frozen Face-Off champions, uh, the Comebacks Home Sweep of North Dakota, both games coming back from a multi-goal deficit, and Larson's 100th win as the Huskies head coach. And the winner is the Frozen Faceoff champions. I don't think this one was really in doubt for me. Um, that's what I voted. Um, that's what you voted, and that's what the fans, 71% to 27, a comeback sweep over UND, and only 2% uh, thought uh, Larson's uh, 100th win. And as I was uh, getting the results of this poll, as I was checking, I was kind of surprised of how little love that one was getting. I thought that uh, would have been a little bit higher. but well, it just... um, it's, all, it's also tough with, you know, frozen face-up, I mean, especially with how – they played or us not getting the results, you know, in the, uh, towards the end of the season and then kind of coming together and, 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 uh, winning the frozen face off. It's, uh, it's hard to deny that one was the moment.
0: I I think in, in other years, this will be a more compelling category. Um, it's like wonder if they didn't, if they didn't win the, uh, frozen face-off like if they stumbled in North Dakota game or the CC game for instance like what would have been the moment of the year like there's no I mean we could just make it easy and say it would be the UND sweep because that was the second place here but um but I just think that it was kind of a no-brainer but I don't think it's to I think there's going to be years in the future where this is going to be a a tough category so but it's it's hard to to ignore a a conference tournament title. So, definitely makes yep, sense. Exactly.
1: So. All right, here we are at the uh next category, the Andreas Nodal Rookie of the Year. All right, uh, Rookie of the Year, uh we have our nominees are Adam Ingram, Cooper Wiley and Jack Rogers, and the winner is Adam Ingram. Which uh this one also a sweep. Um all three of us voted there for Ingram. Ingram eighty-eight percent of the fan oh. vote. Um uh, Wiley with eleven. I will say though, I you know, Wiley, he's emergence uh later on in the season um I think was a huge step, especially when Anhorn went down. But um you know, as as Ingram you know played so showed flashes of incredible, um, uh, you know, his, his shot, his playmaking ability, really everything. I think he's uh, the total package and I'm excited to see what happens uh, for a sophomore year.
0: Yeah, indeed. And I think just getting nominated in this category is is a good sign too. So with Rogers and uh, Wiley, we could have mentioned, you know, Reiner's could have been a nominee here as well. It's good to have some, some nominees uh, worthy nominees that didn't make the top three. And so uh, that's a good, that's a good thing. And again, I think this is going to be a category where uh, in different years, it's not going to be as much of a landslide. Like last year, I was thinking about this today. It's like, I probably would have had over Peered last year for yeah, of the year. I would too, um, but I, I would assume there would have been some peer voters uh, last year uh, for this award if we had it. Um, so, this one was one where just yeah, the not only not only the potential that we see in Ingram, but yeah, he produced a twenty-plus point season. It's it's hard to ignore that, and, and it it definitely stacks up favorably to his other nominees here. But this is another one like Rodgers, Wiley. We're liking their progress too. So.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's a tough league to do that yeah. in too. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. I don't want to get too much on. And she she's the best of everything, you know, that uh some uh, uh or want to do, uh, so to speak. But it's um you know, to, it you know, it is one of the premier conferences here in, in, in college hockey and for him to kind of step in and be as productive as he was, especially kind of down the stretch too. Um, you know, uh having that big goal um as well uh against mankato to to really help in in the gopher game. and he he's in the gopher game as well to to um, you know really really jump some life in into the huskies so yeah it's uh it was um it was kind of an uh a no brainer uh for me but obviously like you said cooper wiley Jack Rogers. I'm excited to see what they have.
0: And you were mentioning,
1: um, I was. Oh, go ahead. I was not. Well, I was just going to say I was. I was kind of iffy on this incoming class, you know, other than Ingram. Um, but to see everyone kind of progress, it's. I I feel like this uh, freshman class um, had a little bit of notch ahead of me than this year's sophomore class um, or last year's freshman class. Um, so I think that's just showing that. Uh, uh Brett Larson is uh you know, just uh doing a good job getting the talent. In yeah,
0: who would have been in last year's freshman class? Obviously Lukey, Peart, Solquist. Who else would have been freshman last year? I mean yeah, Rosborough hat he was red shirted. I mean he um so he didn't play last year and this would have been his technically his first year, but I feel like I'm missing some obvious ones. But uh but maybe not. Maybe they just didn't have a ton, a big class numbers wise. Um, so yeah, in in the sense of sheer numbers, yeah, this year's class was more impactful. And remember, I, I like what you mentioned about. I
1: mean, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, those are the three. That's it. Yeah, that is it.
0: Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. I, I'm racking my brains about it. And I like what you said about the NCHC too, being a tougher league, not to play into the every Gopher fans fears or popular narratives at least, but it's an older league and it's a more physical league than the big 10 is. uh, For instance, whereas, yeah, you see a guy like Isaac Howard struggle to adapt to the NCHC bolts after one year and goes to the big 10 with Michigan state, uh, a league where I bet he'll, Put up more points based on the just there's more of him in that league than there is the NCHC, especially with Ingram being an 18 year old. That's a tough transition for a player, and so mm-hmm. and we definitely saw some growing pains. But like I said, a 20 almost 25 point season as a, as a true freshman, uh, in this league, I think is a definitely a no mean feat.
1: All right, next category is... The Christy Yamaguchi-Brett Hedekin
0: Defenseman of the Year.
1: Uh, Christy Yamaguchi-Brett Hedekin Defenseman of the Year. Uh, Nominees were Dylan Anhorn, Jack Peart, and Spencer Meyer. Uh, And the winner goes to Dylan Anhorn.
0: I think these last three categories are the most compelling. Um, the other yeah. three had some, like an obvious choice, I thought, in each of them. Maybe maybe not the goal. The goal is a little, you had two candidates there, but but in these last three, um, definitely some arguments one way or the other. This one, I think, there's three good cases to make here. Um, I voted for Anhorn, knowing that him you know, not playing in, what, a third of the season, essentially, um, was a, a check-in-the-minus column, um, whereas a guy like Peart played the whole season. Meyer was also hurt, but obviously didn't miss as much time as Anhorn did. Plus, you have Meyer as sort of a five-year uh, resume to consider as well. Uh, the Legacy Anhorn. Aspect. So, I think there's a compelling case to make for each of those, but I just feel like Anhorn's presence in his in the games that that he played, he was the best player that the Huskies had this year, and I think their struggles after his injury made his value to the team that much more apparent. So, and Peart played a full season, yes, but we still kind of had to ride the Jack Peart roller coaster a lot of the year. Some ups and some downs. Whereas Anhorn, I didn't really I don't remember a like a bad performance from Anhorn all year. It was just injured performance, you know, non performance based on due to the injury. But when he was in the lineup, he I mean, if he's if he doesn't get hurt, I think he's a top ten hobie. Maybe it's hard to crack that top three as it turned out to be. but
1: I think he, I think he cracks the top three. I, I, I there was definitely a case. Like if he, you, we can't go back and play I mean, it out
0: because he, it's, it's an unknown, yeah. but certainly I think it,
1: he had, tw- he ended with 25 points in 23 games. Um, So, I mean, but that, puts, I mean, 23 games isn't exactly a small sample size. Right. So, I mean, you're, you're so slightly, maybe even if you regress a little bit, I mean, and, Now, would the vote the Hobie voters would they just pick between like Hudson or Anhorn? That's what I'm saying. Um, Like if he
0: if he's if he keeps that pace up, he's at low 40s points, which is what Hudson basically was. I think he had 45 in that range. And if he wasn't able to crack the top three, then. But perhaps if Anhorn stays healthy and he has that 45 point ish season, you know maybe Saint Cloud is a top you know, a a number one seed. Uh, And
1: well, we got to check his character too. (laughs) So don't, don't forget about that.
0: Uh, So, but yeah, that's maybe academic to discuss that possibility, but just that I'm just saying that's the trajectory that he was on, not just being the Huskies best player, but, but in the conversation for the best in the country. So that's where I think it, it put me over the top, him over the top with my vote. And is that you say that's how you voted as well? Or is that what
1: That's how the fans voted. Uh An- Anhorn forty seven percent, Peart thirty-seven percent, Meyer sixteen. Okay. Um, so I actually did go Peart, and the reason why I went Peart is because I think he really did step up after Anhorns. I do agree it was a Rocky. I would say season, but I think it was more of that growing pains throughout the beginning. I think there was something that just kind of clicked in the game and how everything is played that I thought he was so much better towards the end. And I think when he we needed him to step up and he did for a sophomore, that's, that's tough to do. Um, he got more comfortable in the game. I think everything kind of slowed down for him. Um, you know, I was looking through my tweets and I didn't have hardly any bad things to say to him. you know, throughout the last half of the season. I don't think he was the reason why, you know, the Huskies kind of went through the, the, the tough stretch that we did. Um, so it's, um, you know, yeah, he could still smooth out a couple of things, but overall with, uh, with how much he jumped up from the. His freshman year to how he ended his sophomore campaign, um, really did outweigh on me versus the, you know, twenty some games that we did get from Anhorn. So that's in the end why I picked Pierce over Anhorn. Kind of knew that that was going to be a long shot um, that he that he was going to win that Anhorn was still going to take it, but that's why I voted the way I
0: did. Yeah, no, it's it's certainly a defensible uh, position and. Yeah, I'm certainly here for a, another level that Peart can attain next year. Um, this year's, like I said, had some bumpy spots, uh, but, and, and similar to his freshman year, but uh, we, we've definitely, again, seen the promise. And yeah, if mentioning that Hudson, watching him as sort of a, a, a prototype in, in the Peart mold, can get something approaching that this team is getting to go places so uh-huh. hopefully hopefully uh, hopefully Anhorn's back but also let's hope that Pierre makes that step up to elite status next year because uh, I am uh, here for that for sure
1: yep very much so all right. And the uh, next category. The Drew LeBlanc Forward of the Year. And Forward of the Year as uh, Yami Kronola, Grant Crookshake, and Zach Okabi, And the winner of this award is Yanni Kronola. Um, 58% of the, uh, vote and, uh, versus 38 for, or 31 for Cookshank and 11% uh, for OCAP. So, um, yeah. Uh, Kronola is uh, a good pick and I believe was your pick, correct? My pick, yeah. For, for, uh, forward of the year. Uh, what were, what were your reasonings for that?
0: Uh, yeah, he's, I'm wondering too, is he, he's not accepting the Herbie in person, you know, because he's, he's in the AHL now. So yeah, He's been sent, yes, he's sent yes, a proxy he, to collect. Yeah, the he
1: couldn't, he unfortunately could not be here for uh, tonight. Um, Wilkes bear uh, called. So
0: no, uh, yeah, I liked his, I mean, two way presence. Um, I mean, we saw him with the defensive forward of the year award in the NCHC, I believe. Um. So he plays a, a full a full game, 200 feet, um, power play, snipe. We already saw that in the AHL. Um, uh-huh. And especially when the Huskies were in their funk, it seemed like he was almost single-handedly carrying the offense for some of those games. Uh, and with that play in particular, uh, the little snipe on the face-off dot on the power play and uh yeah he's uh he's a very good player uh i just i i i feel like this one and the uh, the next award kind of blend together so we can maybe talk about them but yeah i just i thought he was when anhorn got hurt i, I figured i i thought that he kind of stepped up as the the most talented player on this team. And so, yeah, from that, from that position, that's what kind of swayed it for me. Although the other candidates as well have compelling cases to make either. And again, I want to talk about the whole thing when we get back to the last award. But what about you? Is this, did did you vote for Cranle as well?
1: Uh, No, I voted for Kirkshank. Um, uh, two more goals than, uh, Kronola is a shooting percentage of, uh, 23 and a half. Um, you know, he only had 98 shots, but, um, also, um, I thought he, um, you know, penalty wise as well. I thought just as, as a forward, um, you know, he was a lot less penalized than, uh, Kronola, So, um. You know more power play goals um thanronla, so I thought uh Cruikshank was actually my winner for for the forward of the year um again i it was like what last episode I talked about how I was surprised Okabe was nearing a hundred points um so it's you know him getting eleven percent kinda a of, little little because I did you know think about it but um to me, I voted Crookshank, uh, fans, and you with Kronola, so that's uh, that's how the vote went.
0: Well, I guess this leaves... Uh... And,
1: and also, like, him being a transfer, so... I don't know, that kind of extra little aspect kind of... kind of helped, it was like, this was found gold, in, in a sense. Um, especially early on in the season, he was lights yeah. out, so... Um, that's, uh, why I picked, but, uh, congratulations to Yami for the, for the forward of the year. And, uh, here we go. Here uh, is. last, the uh, last one, the big, uh, the big one, the Jeff
0: Finger Memorial, most valuable player.
1: <laughs> and, uh, the Jeff Finger most valuable player award. Uh, well, nominees were Grant Crookshake, Yami Kranala, and Jackson Castor. And the winner is Yami Cronola. Uh, so Cronulla goes forward of the year and most valuable player. Um, I was torn between Cronola uh, and Caster, and I kind of I picked Cruikshank for forward of the year. Maybe that's a flaw in our system. Um, uh, but the one that Yami was able to benefit from twice. But um, because I voted for Cronulla uh, on this one, fans voted for Cronulla, forty-five percent. You voted Crookshank,
0: though, yeah. So for, I I, so, I thought so. I was going to be the one that the weird one that votes one votes for Cronulla for forward of the year, and then Crookshank for MVP. But then you basically did the same thing, just just flip flopped him.
1: You just flip flopped. Yep. So
0: I guess it it. it when we're talking about MVPs, there's always a semantic debate as far as what does "valuable" mean. Um, does "valuable" equal "best"? Um, because I guess on the on the on paper, if you're the best forward, wouldn't that also mean you're the best the MVP? At, at least if you're the same position. And we're talking Crandall versus Cruikshank and when I was waxing poetic about why I picked Cranell for forward of the year, two way player, all that. It's like, yeah, I guess I'm making the case for him to be MVP as well. MVP just, it, I think there's intangibles, I guess, intangibles that I'm not privy to because I'm not in a locker room. So I don't know how I can character. Character, uh, judge character, yeah. <laughs> but I thought Crookshank brought that. I, when you mentioned the, the transfer uh, situation, bringing some veteran leadership, that first part of the year where he he was really carrying the team, some huge kind of clutch goals for them, like Crannell. Yep. He also plays a good 200-foot game, good penalty killer. You um, also said he – I think I think you're almost making more sense as far as – I almost like Crookshank as forward of the year and Crannell as MVP better. <laughs> but maybe it's moot. Uh, I mean, it certainly is moot because <laughs> no one other than but- – 64 people are aware of the thing Mm. called the Herbies,
1: Um, but, um, Hey, I will have to say that all all of our polls got about 160 votes. So,
0: all right, well add a hundred to what I just said then. And that makes it that it's a hundred, times more, uh, uh, relevant than what I previously said. Exactly. I, I like the fact that each are getting some hardware, um, or no, because you're saying, you're saying Cranola won MVP. Yeah. So see, I, what I, how I voted, I liked the fact that I was giving Crookshank one and one Cause I think they were both deserving of one.
1: Exactly. And I'm really not going to, which help. is why I did and, too, but we, we flipped flip on. them. <laughs> well, so what was your case
0: as far as Cranola is MVP versus Crookshank being the best forward?
1: Um, I thought, uh, Cranula throughout the year. Um, obviously more points, um, uh, was a big factor, but also you know, take it for what you want, um, for about plus minus, but you know, twenty-three plus for Cronulla and a five plus for Crookshank. Um so you know, just um looking at that is you know I, I think he is a little bit better of a two-way player than Crookshank. Um is and I think for what he meant to the team in um you know all aspects, you know i don't I guess I don't know a hundred percent, but I felt like he was a little more consistent throughout the year. um There was only the one really bad stretch that he had, eh, both of them were fairly consistent as well throughout the year um but even when uh you know Cronulla kind of went through that uh little dip. You know, starting in Omaha and then the games against Minnesota Duluth, where he didn't get a goal. I still thought he played with an edge and a presence that you knew he was out there. He was always, he was always a guy throughout that you pointed to him and was like, I thought he had a really good game. Um, where I felt like every once in a while, Crookshank kind of disappeared. And it was just kind of my gut feeling that I was going to split the vote between Crookshank and Cronulla. Uh, but I decided that the most, as far as how I look at most valuable to the team, I thought Cronolo was more valuable to the team than Crookshank was, uh, throughout the season. Yeah, I,
0: it's, it's a tough, it's a tough one.
1: It's, t- it's so close. Yeah.
0: And so, yeah, I, I would have liked it that, that each,
1: although most valuable player, the second leading getter was actually Jackson Caster. Really? Which I did also think about yep. uh, putting mm-hmm. my vote to, to Caster. Uh reason I, did, um, I didn't I did is because, you know, who knows what Bassey and how he would have right. performed throughout some of those other games. He could have performed just as well uh, because everything was so close for so long. I do like the story, obviously, of Caster, kind of a little bit of a minor redemption um, for him after how last season ended. So, but... Um,
0: it would have made it more the, interesting if Bassey wasn't here, for instance, and Castor yes. was your 90% of the time starter. Um, there I could see, like, Crochink and Cranla kind of canceling each other out and then Castor winning that. But because of, like, just, he didn't quite play enough, like, a overwhelming majority of the action, I think he was just a little short of that. And so... Yeah, I, I I'm fine. I mean, Cranle is a a great player, and I I don't think that's a I I think that's a perfectly valid uh, vote, and it, it's almost more logical if he's wins both. But uh, I wanted to give sort of each of them um, some props, so that was my yeah. thinking uh, of it. And yeah, we can quibble each way, but I I think that will we would have been fine with either. However, they would have all shaken out. I think it's. It certainly And can. I
1: hope there's also no hard feelings from uh, Kirk Shank and Cronulla that um, they're that they also
0: declined mostly his Cruikshank. invite yeah. here, um, so he's not. You know, he, he was not available to, to, to accept the award had he won. But um, yeah, we, we sent out invites. It, it was a little quick, but um, <laughs> and Bushy said that he doesn't have a tux, so. That's why he yeah. wasn't able to show up, but um, yeah,
1: Crookshank didn't know what hat to wear. I think actually, what it came down for him, <laughs> so.
0: casters in the ECHL, so he', he yeah. gone. Um, so a lot of these guys had good reasons. Um, Anhorn said he's he's still working on the shotgun thing. He, he was he said he got um, he was jealous from the Quinnipiac uh, game winning goal celebration um, that he ah. needed to, he was going to work on a celly, um, with a shotgun. Um, and he's kind of doing with a crutch right now, but he's, he got some ideas, he said, so he was unable to join yeah. us. Yeah. So there was, there was, uh, some backing out from the nominees, which we don't hold it against them. That didn't influence our vote at all, but, um, but hopefully, uh, in the future, we will have a, uh, a full production here, but it was a fun, it was fun to, to, to kind of debate these categories. And like I said, the last three, the defense forward and MVP, those were all sort of wrestling with, with, with that decision. So, but
1: that's a good problem yeah. to have uh, when we're wrestling with these uh, types of decisions. And
0: St. Paul's so. a great wrestling uh, school. So exactly.
1: Yeah. Perfect. Um, Well, that closes out our first annual Herbie's. If you want to, you know, uh, kick us with an ad read uh, to thank our sponsors.
0: Yeah, yeah, let's see here. Yes, so the Herbie's are brought to you in part by Gritty St. Cloud. You know Gritty St. Cloud as the premier van tour in the St. Cloud area. We take our passengers on an adventure throughout Greater St. Cloud, ignoring the boring, beautiful spots, and focusing instead on the grease, grime, and grit that truly embodies St. Cloud. We're introducing the brand new Dead Factories route, which will launch with its first tour on Saturday, May 6th. Dead Factories are a staple of the St. Cloud region, and you won't want to miss the chance to get a first-hand experience in and around barren ex-workplaces in central Minnesota. Did you know that Electrolux had its own traffic light? Well, you'll be well aware of that traffic light's existence and the stories behind it on a Grady St. Cloud tour. Ben Niederhofer worked for Electrolux and was on the committee which negotiated that traffic light's installation with the city council in 1965. Nowadays, Ben is working with us here at Grady St. Cloud as one of our tour ambassadors. Oh, the stories Ben tells about that Electrolux traffic light. You won't want to miss that. Another new feature for the Dead Factories route is local folk musician Keith Bechtold who will be performing the entirety of Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA album live during the tour. Just imagine, the van slowly circling the decayed remains of the Sartell paper mill as Keith sings the post-industrial Rust Belt in Decline ballad, My Hometown. Talk about chills up your spine. What are you waiting for? Call Grady St. Cloud at their toll-free number, 1-800-STC-VANS, to book your tour. Mention this ad when booking and receive a free Bush Light on your first tour. The dead factory's route is selling quickly, so be sure to reserve your spot today. Once again, that's one eight hundred STC Vans. It's the grease, it's the sweat, it's gritty St. Cloud.
1: Ah, sign me up for that van tour. I am. I got. I. You know what? I could. I could add some stories about that stoplight too, as it um, has made me late for work one uh one or two times throughout uh my right on my route so it's uh it's one you won't want to miss well yep saturday may 6th is the debut so there's
0: still spots available on that on that um maiden voyage so well
1: don't uh don't skip out on it right. well, don't i am I'm, so. I'm
0: i've got some plans coming back maybe to, to minnesota this summer and I'm seriously thinking about fitting us a gritty St. Cloud trip um, when I come back
1: and this, well, they've always been loyal fans of the show. So we do appreciate them. So Um, we do uh, have one uh, uh, segment that I actually, um, uh, that we have to kind of address for the errors, uh, corrections and clarification section. So we got a new sounder for that. You done messed up. So, and uh, here's uh, what we messed up was actually my wife pointed out that I said Fairfield Medical when that's actually a hotel chain. So it's Fairview <laughs> is planning to merger with Sanford. Um, but that has uh, uh, been blocked as of right now by the Attorney General. But obviously, that's probably a formality because that's probably going to go through. Yes, uh, Mayo Clinic obviously is the, uh, or Mayo's the big uh, health system down in Southern Minnesota. Um, and they do, uh, have their name over on the, uh, uh, Mankato's arena. So it is the the Mayo center or whatever. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so Fairview, fair view, uh, their plan merger is being held up at least um, M health, which is on the university of Minnesota campus. Um, they don't, they don't want anything to be like, they don't want anything a part of, uh, a, a part of that uh Sanford. And uh so so that's uh I wanted to make that correction uh to make sure that um you know everyone that was interested in that story not Fairfield. Fairfield is uh you know a chain of hotels or Fairfield by Marriott or Courtland by Marriott or whatever. I don't want to turn this into another uh errors corrections and and, and clarification.
0: Uh, yeah. No that that's that's very helpful and you uh-huh. prompted me to think of a correction that I should make. This you is, done
1: messed up, A.A.
0: Yes, Yes, Um, This is maybe a month ago when we were talking about the NCHC awards. Um, and I mentioned being surprised that Fershweiler won over Gabinet because it's like, oh, he won last year. So why did he win again this year? He did not win last year. I had to double check that. Brad Berry won three in a row. Including last year, so with that in, so Firstweiler had not won it until this year. With that as, now that I know that, it makes more sense that he got the coach of the year position this year. Although I probably still would have given it to Gabinet, but
1: I would have given it to him. But
0: yeah, so Firstweiler did not win it last year. Bradbury did so
1: three straight. That's weird. It's it's like. Really? I
0: usually don't see, or maybe
1: he, this is none his, of the defensemen, none of the defensemen at UND wanted right. to stick around. Right. You don't, you don't want to play for a three time uh, coach of the year.
0: I should double check that right now it. because I know he's won three times. Um, I just need to make sure if that's three years running or if he, Oh, sorry. He's won four times, but he did win three in a row and he also won it in his first year, 15, 16. Um, and, and that, that was the title. title year. And then he won it in 1920, 2021, and 2122. Which is just, huh. it's weird because usually, like we said, coach of the year usually goes to the team that overachieves the most. And I suppose in 2021, 2022, they had lost a bunch of guys. So maybe like they weren't expected to do as well last year. And they, I guess they won the Penrose. So I suppose, but it seems weird that I, I retroactively, I think First should have definitely won it last year. First year yeah. and took him to a number one seed in the tournament. Like I would have given it to him then. But uh, so wanted to get that correction, uh, belated correction. I wanted to set the record straight. So there it
1: is. Perfect. All right. Um, and then there was this little news story that was going around that was tweeted and I originally wasn't going to talk about it, but I figured I might as well. Um, just bring it up, um, because it's making the rounds on Twitter. Uh, some, uh, poster, um, with 700 or so followers, Always the best source. um, yeah, exactly. About, uh, I think on uh, the 31st of March, tweeted out that there were uh, more than one source rumbling about in the Summit League about adding a hockey arm um, with its four existing members and, um, you know, uh, inviting special other teams who would get involved in Summit League hockey. Um, so I originally wasn't going to address this because, again, I don't want to take too much credence. I mean, this reeks of Illinois is close to college hockey, you know, all over again. Um, but ever since, you know, Fenton, you know, moving over to summit league, there's always been kind of the easy connection to make. Um, and then St. Thomas also going division one. Um, but I just feel like there's so many different dominoes that would have to fall and things that would need to happen to have this even be in the realm of possibility. That doing this so quickly, I I feel like this is a really far fetched rumor, so I'm not going to put a lot of stock into it. But uh, I would wanted to at least you know mention it since it was making the rounds. But I don't see it happening anytime soon, if at all.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll wait until there's a credible source um, that uh, you know puts it on the record that there has been some concrete discussions. I mean, I, I remember when Fenton took that position as Summit League Commissioner. There was just some rumblings at that point as far as connecting the dots. You know, could there be Summit League hockey in the future? Seeing as Fenton really is a hockey guy at heart, and so yeah, the four current Summit League teams that have hockey—it's what North Dakota, Denver, Omaha. In St. Thomas. Is that it? Yeah. So three of those, obviously in the NCHC, um, the pri and I'm mentioning this, I think for the second week in a row, the Miami AD um, when he was on record last summer, talking about Miami struggling to cope in the NCHC, but also part of that, part of his ranting there was, single sport conferences really kind of falling out of favor in the NCAA or at least losing influence, becoming less of a thing. And I think his worry was because they're a Mac school, it's like, this is the one sport where we can't attach the Mac, which is a small conference in comparison to the big 10, but because it sponsors so many sports it has much more of an influence than a one-sport conference like the NCHC does. So his sort of future telling looking into the crystal ball is that single-sport conferences, which there are several in college hockey, Hockey East, ECAC, um, NCHC, obviously, CCHA. I'm not sure about ECAC. That might have more sports, but... um, Certainly, hockey East, CCHA, and WCHA are all, and Atlantic Hockey for that for that matter as well, all single sport conferences. And when it comes to the bargaining table at the NCAA, that you have very little voice in compared to the Big Ten uh, or any other these major conferences that sponsor all kinds of sports. So, yeah, I don't think this is going to be something in three four years that's gonna happen but maybe in the next decade plus that is certainly a possibility I don't think it's completely outlandish I uh, and so yeah it'll be a development that I'm interested to, to see it's just like in ten years we might not there might not even be an NCAA like I think there's major administration changes with college athletics. We're we're seeing the the start of it with the nil money and the NCAA seems to be in a perpetual court battle that I'm not following completely like very closely, but from what I read, they're losing pretty much every battle that they're going to court with. I mean, they didn't, they didn't want this nil money. They didn't want to pay athletes. They were always in opposition to that and they're losing, they've lost that battle and they're continuing to lose, minor battles as they're continuing here with the NCAA and and, and the legal ramifications that has arisen from kind of the new state of college sports. So it's to a point where I think we're, we're not terribly far off from a major rehaul, overhaul of how we think of college athletics as a whole. So, yeah, I think it's a ways off, and I'd be interested to know, to read some like i said more concrete reporting if there are actually serious discussions in, 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 involved here but yeah in in the long term future single sport conference like the nchc i think is is not necessarily a sustainable one so yeah i'll i'll definitely um keep uh definitely keep me apprised if you come across any any uh substantial reporting on that front because uh, i think it is something to keep an eye on
1: Well, I'll uh, I'll uh, file it right uh, right next to Illinois gets Division one hockey.
0: Yes. So at so that it's... point, at, right now, that's probably where this belongs. But <laughs> once we get some someone on record saying that, I mean, you know, like the Miami AD, maybe he has a couple of cocktails over the summer and he kind of diver- divulges a little bit more of what he thinks the future of uh, uh, Division one hockey is. So yeah, be interested. To hear
1: that you know also we can probably just wait until schlossman files uh freedom of information act there request uh try to get a little bit more information God, about he that. Do that
0: on that was in our first podcast
1: Mankato, that's right uh, trying to get that into the was NCHC. Uh, yeah mankato uh formally saying that they want to be in the nchc did you see by the way that but, he nailed quinnipiac again he second year in a row where
0: his preseason favorite yep Won the thing. Remember last year, he was he was the only guy on Denver's uh train uh preseason, mm-hmm. and he nailed that. And I think he even nailed the Gophers being the runner up. I think he, his national title game was Quinnipiac over the Gophers in his preseason prediction. So,
1: damn it, that's he's a tough act to keep up with. Uh, I mean, we could. We could rip him, uh, and I do every once in a while, just because he's such an easy target, and I think he plays into the bit quite a bit. Uh, I don't like how that sentence was framed. He cl- plays into the bit. I'll just say that. Um, but, uh, I mean, when he's right, he's right. I, I mean, I can't make that prediction. I'm never going to make that prediction, much less two years in a row. So, I mean, we can try. I already can't pick the field when it comes to that. And I've got, you know, half the season to go. Right. You know, I. Sh- so, but uh, yeah. So. Um, yeah,
0: well, we are all uh, waiting with bated breath on whoever he picks for next year's national champion because then we don't have to follow the season at all.
1: It'll just be exactly what he says. And- say, okay, oh, they won. Everybody go home. So, uh, A couple of questions Uh, First question here Did you like the Mario movie Um, I took uh, Clara to see the Super Mario Brothers movie As it was the um, First movie Actually she's ever been to in the theater Hmm. I I haven't taken her to a theater Um, I actually thought There'd be more kids there Uh, No there were I think uh, we, We went to like a really small like one of the smaller screens because if she wasn't into it like i wanted her like around the less amount fewer amount of people as possible but even then i think there was only one kid in the screen who was you know a couple years older than clara but everybody else in that was you know my age (laughs) maybe a little bit younger but i thought that was kind of kind of surprising so um yeah credit score and rotten tomatoes is like 50 something and the audience score is like 96 um and i agree with the audience on this one but it's it's definitely it's like a rung below i think uh this like the script writing was a little subpar and i know it's a kid's movie but it's just that like i felt like everything was so short and succinct that they could have like expanded maybe a little bit on some of the dialogue at least they treated like every sentence like it was like six words max <laughs> and it's like they could have done maybe a little bit more in that um but i actually liked uh, all the voice acting and uh yeah and uh i was i was pleasantly surprised um actually by it and i thought the animation was really cool and i actually liked the story Take it a little bit out of uh, Odyssey from the storyline aspect of it, but uh, yeah, I, I was I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I have not seen the D and D movie yet, um, but uh, I might uh, go and see that here shortly.
0: You are uh, doing a good job making me aware of movies that exist because oh. I am so out of like current movies. I didn't even know that they had a Super Mario. It, that's what it's called. It's called
1: Super Mario. The Super Mario Brothers movie. Yep.
0: And I was going to ask if it was an animated picture or live action. You 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 seem to is, answer that.
1: And now I it is animated. Illusion Entertainment. So Despicable Me. Oh, um, I've heard of that. Uh, yep. Uh, Minions. That uh, studio did uh, partnered with Nintendo.
0: So. And then there's a D and D movie. Yes. Is it called Just Dungeons and Dragons?
1: Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves. That a live action live action yep
0: so you're a big D guy i've never played i have some friends that, that have played it or that are big, big um i would not say i, I I'm, never have
1: i would say i'm a big D guy but i've got like one campaign <laughs> that um like gets yeah, together I feel like you can't just every... be a lukewarm D guy like well it's like it, campaign. it's like, so I have like one camp- is that
0: means like every week you set it up and well have, and like, that's the thing is like
1: well, the the big joke is that um, uh, busy schedules have killed more campaigns than any dragon has in Dungeons & Dragons. Because you're trying to get, like, six or five people to coordinate schedules to all be free, you know, for a couple hours on a weekend. At least that's how mine is. So, I mean, I haven't played this campaign in, I mean, probably about three or four months now. Um, What's the last time I actually fired up my character? So... I've made a few D and D references on this podcast. Yeah, I, I've picked them up. Oh, I, so. I again, I it's it's
0: not a world that I've really experienced firsthand, but I, I, I have heard, mm-hmm. I, I've come across some of the lingo. So, but I did not know that there was a film out there right now.
1: Yeah. So it's it's getting really good reviews. It looked really funny. Um and uh, yeah, I'm excited to see it I've been once I year. that one. That one I might wait until it gets to I can rent through some type of streaming service, but um but taking Claire to Super Mario movie was uh, kind of a moment for me. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I've
0: been stuck in the early seventies. So like seventy one through seventy three. Been just watching movies in that era for like the last Is that are you
1: still on your post Watergate kick?
0: This is this would be pre Watergate.
1: I'm eventually wanting to do the whole whole decade. When was Watergate? I mean, really,
0: it it started in 72, um, but from a Mm. film perspective, really 74 and on, I would say is when films became self-aware of that. Um, Usually Mm. a film, like, you shoot it a year before it's released, generally. So it's like a year delay. Um, So it takes, like, right now in the 71, 72, 73 era, it's all about it's Vietnam and it's like coming out of the sixties. They're really still sort of, it's, it's a lot of like, Oh, these damn hippies. Uh, it's still in that <laughs> era, which is, which is kind of fascinating. And I eventually like, like I just kind of want to have the groundwork to when, like, I would say 74 to 81 is probably the best era of film ever. And I think it's because they're, um, responding to the disillusionment of American politics and uh, society at that time, and so gotcha. I'm getting the groundwork and enjoying it. Oh, nice,
1: uh, Jason Bryant. Uh, money is no object. What facility changes do you make? Money is no object. You spent some time a couple of weeks ago Other talking about this. Then burn it. Dinner. That's what. That, that, no, I mean, money's no
0: object. Get a new facility from scratch. Uh, with NHL size ice um, probably like three or 4,000 people max like capacity, maybe five, but
1: nah, I think you got to go five ish. Maybe.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're only really getting to that number. If it's the Gophers, North Dakota, maybe a Duluth, but you're generally only hitting as
1: of now, the pendulum could always swing back. It's true. But um, I feel like I, think, I, I I I think five is like the sweet spot for college hockey.
0: Yeah, I would I just would rather have because if you're only going to get four thousand to show up, then you got an eighty percent full building, you know. And there's been there's several games this year where was, you're barely cracking three thousand. I'd rather have, I'd rather be in the Fargo situation, the regional where it's like there's a. <laughs> possibility that you don't get a ticket rather than the chance that, uh, that, that you're, you you have too much capacity to what your average attendance is. Um, but anyway, that I may mean, are quibbling there, but obviously like standard NHL ice, um, up to date boards and glass and all that probably like a, um, full or, you know, like a, uh, not a horseshoe, but a full, a full ring of stands. Like whereas right now you have sort of the ends of the ice. You don't really have seating options there. So you'd rather like mm-hmm. have a full bowl, like an interconnected bowl in the first level, at least. Um, yeah. Well, a good sound system, one that's not made of 90% concrete, some decent acoustics. Um, yeah. I mean, Take a look at Amsoil. Take a look at Baxter. These kind of arenas. Whatever they got, do that. Like having an up-to-date arena. But, again, this is all, yeah, money's no no issue or, uh, if, if money wasn't the problem.
1: What do you, I'll make a little change to this question. What do you think is the first thing that should be changed? Even if money was no option. So we're
0: still, like, stuck with the herb. We just have to renovate it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously the, the ice, uh, refrigeration system. I mean, that's, that's like the the necessary, the necessary one. And then I would probably change the ice size and just make sure that the ice, this playing surface itself is as good as it can be.
1: Cause I don't anything cosmetically, anything that you, if they can do
0: what they did with the, the new atrium on the South side, If they can somehow do that to the whole building, that'd be great because it still looks like it's just a big block of concrete for the majority of the building. Um, From an aesthetic standpoint, there's a lot to be desired from what the building is now. Uh, And that was kind of the, you know, again, the building looks like the era of which it was built. Uh, And during the late 80s. 60s 70s 80s the uh that architectural era was all function over fashion uh and now it's changed you you have to have a a visual appeal to the building
1: my my wife my wife asked me if the bk kids club designs are still on the side of the building and i actually don't remember if they are or not yeah (laughs) i think they were taken down but Next time I go by, I'll make a, I'll make a point to look to see if they are. What would
0: you? What would your number one? Where would you start?
1: Like, like, yeah. If if we're going a little more of less of the like the obvious stuff, like the, s- section one hundred seats yeah,
0: you mentioned, like that
1: those need to be ago. burned. Like they're terrible. They're not like they're not for any. F- functioning adult to sit in like properly in any and i know i'm a big guy and whatever but like even if you were not somebody who's my size like it's just it's it's uncomfortable it's cramped and it's just yeah change the seats uh i think would be a big big improvement yeah well let's uh
0: let's get that money um Money is no object. It is very much a real object, <laughs> and uh, we just don't have enough of it. So let's uh, let's get on that. Uh,
1: how many times have you watched the Quinnipiac game-winning goal? I think I'm up to at least 30. Uh, that was 14 hours ago from Dan Jacobson, so I guess. But now he'd probably be around 45. Um, So, yeah, I watched it quite a bit because I was like – how did all of this yeah. calamity happen? Like, this is just so... I mean, this isn't like a Jimmy Schultz bad hip check right. either. This is just, like, four people failed. <laughs> and and uh, one person was left uh, kind of scrambling to get something done. Um, But, yeah, it was... Yeah, I don't know if I'm up. Yeah, probably. Yeah, or probably around thirty oh, times. I, I'm sure it's, I'm more than good.
0: that at this point. Uh, I was looping it for a while there. This reminds me too. We didn't talk about this aspect of it. This might be my hottest take ever. You ready? This this is a, ever this is a scorcher. Just all, all right, right. Are you sitting down? I actually didn't think Bushi did a bad job. Oh, shut up! He's gotten better. Oh. He has gotten better. I don't think we heard one holy shnikes all tournament.
1: Um, <laughs> okay, okay. He's less, the, he's less reliant on
0: catchphrases. We saw, we heard one smell the glove, but less reliant on the catchphrases and just better. And I think my brother started saying this too. Perhaps he sounds better because, well, I'll give Bucci a little bit of props. Sure, I, I said it was a hot take. Maybe he's sounding better because Melrose. My God,
1: Melrose was a troll. He's
0: he's got a very low bar to clear, and he, even he didn't pass that.
1: And then, and what was it? Is it was it uh, in the Michigan? Yeah, game? I, I don't Michigan know why he hit. didn't announce he's just that game. Gone, but
0: that's I mean, which is a win for everybody. Um, any viewer, that's a win. No Melrose equals no equals a win. And on the championship game, I'm. It's almost like uh, scary. Like I'm almost concerned because I, he was like incoherent, rambling, couldn't really fit a full sentence together. There was something on that game-winning goal. He mutters something. A lot of muttering. It's just like, what? What did you just say? I think he said like I think he said ten minutes. I think he meant 10 seconds. Like it only took 10 seconds. I like rewound it a few times. I still can't comprehend what he actually said. He is beyond the point of replacement where it's obvious that this is, it can't work. And yes, there is several other announcers that would do better, a better job than Bucci grass, but I'm just throwing it out there. He wasn't wasn't as bad as I had thought he was.
1: What's your? Uh, there was no Jared Thomas. There's not no Jared Thomas.
0: I, Jared Thomas. I think it's because ESPN's back in the NHL game, he's been getting some more experience calling play by play for the NHL game. So, whereas back in those days, really all of his play by play experience was the Frozen Four or at least the, the, the NCAA tournament. So, it's like a once a year thing for him. And the rust really is apparent there. So, I think he's just a little bit more in practice. At this point, so yeah i i didn't I didn't mind him uh, as much as I, I know a lot of people do, but uh, he was uh, largely inoffensive to me in this uh, title game.
1: Um, what was your thoughts about Cohen uh, between the benches?
0: He's fine. Uh, I, sometimes he like that. Uh, sometimes he says some really ridiculous things, like uh, <laughs> right that, that, just that first, the first goal. they were like kind of bad giveaway for Quinnipiac and then
1: the offside. He's like, Oh, I think
0: this is coming back. I'm like, I was trying to like, what am I missing here? He's the only guy in the zone, right?
1: Yeah. It was and so then he's like, Oh no, leaves the zone. And it's like, <laughs> so what? No one else was he in said that too zone. about
0: the, um, I think he said it also in the BU game. Um, where there was like several reviews. That's what I didn't like about that game. It was just a lot of reviews and a bad pace to the game, I thought. Um, But they would be like, yeah, I think this one's coming back. Like, be like, are you nuts? Like, I I, I don't, I mean, am I seeing the same thing you're seeing? Uh, And yeah, that offsides. And I feel like there was another example that later in that Quinnipiac Gopher game that, he made a hot take to, said something sort of that. I'm just like, huh? So yeah, he's not, not my favorite, but, um, certainly during the, uh, the semifinals too. It seemed like the, the levels like the on ice action by sound was like drowning out the play by play. Yeah, it's just Maybe just that's way, another, way another loud. reason that I didn't find the play by play that bad. Cause I didn't hear a lot of it. Um, Which again, I'm not really complaining all that much, but there was there were some stretches where I think they got to figure it out for the title game a little bit more. But for at least in the semifinals, a lot of times where they're talking and I can't pick up what they're saying because the sound of the sticks and the puck and all the on ice action was sort of drowning. Yeah, and
1: the the boards crashing. It was it's a little too much. So, um and uh last one with clint uh how many go why did so many gopher fans act surprised and offended when they found out that other schools fans in minnesota were not rooting for them in the frozen four yeah i kind of whiff of that and I, i i don't know like i don't know if it's just the hubris of like well it's every kid's dream to play for minnesota and it's like minnesota is the golden jewel of hockey and and it's like you have you know, yeah, have a a couple couple of successful years, and you're back on that. And uh, it's
0: I even heard Jeff Jackson of all people say that recently. Well, you know, any kid that grows up in Minnesota wants to play for the Gophers. Dream about playing Jesus, for the Gophers. What? Like, oh, thought we were beyond that, but um, apparently not.
1: Yeah, I, I Jeff Jackson's still coasting off of his Lake Superior State days. <laughs> Give me that crap. Uh, well, keep, keep losing to St. Cloud in the, uh, in in the end, in the tournament. The, That's what I have to say about that. Yeah. The, the, how's that? How's that Nick Dowd ping ringing in your ear still, buddy? <laughs> God. Uh, what a lazy take. Just garbage. I think
0: he was saying too about like Boston kids do the same thing with BC or BU. As if there's no other options in Massachusetts, I I, I I come to expect that more from certain like Minnesota people talking about the Gophers. I he's uh, being an outsider to the state. I I was surprised to hear him rattle that one that that old chestnut off. But yeah, the the, uh, the you gotta root for the in-state schools. We've mentioned this in, in recent weeks. Half that, I I don't quite yeah. understand.
1: No, thank you.
0: The the mindset there again other than if it's if Minnesota sports the bar for success is so low uh to this point where you have to count success by the state rather than who your actual team favorite team is i feel like this isn't a practice that other parts of the country do like so they say like you know Hockey in Minnesota is like football in Texas or basketball in Indiana. Um, So the Texas one, for instance, like TCU was in the title game for college football this year. Contrary to reports, obviously they lost by like 75 points, but they were (laughs) in the title game. I can't expect, I can't imagine that a bunch of Texas Longhorns fans are like, go TCU state of Texas. Yeah, I would imagine that they would not like that idea at all. And same with like, you know, I don't think Indiana made the big dance this year. Do you think that they all then shifted their allegiance to Purdue because they were uh, in the tournament and a one seed? Like that seems insane to think. Perhaps there are, I'm not saying that that's impossible, but it seems like it's more popular to do that. And, And not only just popular in Minnesota, but it seems like, a lot of these folks that adopt this stance, again, seem to think that it's the morally correct one, which I just, I, again, you're, you're, you're in a position to have to root for rivals. You, I think with the Gophers winning this one, it would be less of a direct impact for St. Cloud because, Saint, because the Gophers are always going to get the blue chip, the, the coolies and the, the snuggaroos and the knizes of the world. Whereas mm-hmm. I thought last year with Mankato winning, I remember last year yeah. saying, I, "Hell no, I do not want Mankato to win," because them winning a national title, we saw Duluth getting a recruiting bump after their natty wins. So, you mean, know, Mankato is a very similar school to St. Cloud, and if they would have gotten a, a, a championship, uh, that's a, that's I think would would have a an effect when it comes to recruiting the same sort of talent. Uh, you know, the players have the option between those two schools. Uh, it's similar situations, uh different because there are different conferences, but similar as well. And so, yeah, that's a, that's an advantage uh that if the, and Mankato would have won that title, that's an advantage that I would not want them to have over St. Cloud. So hell no, mm-hmm. I'm not going to vote. I'm not going to root for the Mavericks. And yeah, with <laughs> especially with the Moscow, uh factor, no way in hell do I, I said, I would not have, I would have shut the TV off before I would have seen him celebrate that Natty. It would have, it would have like made me queasy uh just thinking about it. It did. So
1: I would have, uh I would have watched, but probably gone fetal and cried in my old Forester, 1910 or something <laughs> like that.
0: Yeah. So. so I, I don't, I don't quite get it. Um, Maybe that makes me and you bad people, but um, again, I feel like it's an insecurity that... I mean,
1: that's for my therapist to decide. I guess
0: right. that's, uh, I guess that's I, I channel my insecurities in different forms than <laughs> uh, rooting for teams I hate.
1: We all, all grieve in our different I ways. Really
0: want St. Cloud so. It just doesn't make any sense to me.
1: It's okay, we got it next year. That's right. Write that, Sloshman. We're bringing it home after in, in, in St. Paul after you file your Freedom of Information Act request. So, uh, well, that mm-hmm. about does that it. Does it. Um, so, thank you, uh, everybody, for listening. Thank you for attending the first annual Herbies and uh, for voting on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, thank you to uh, Grandpa yep. and Gritty St. Cloud yep. uh, for your for your help. Uh, they already took down the stage too, so that's uh, that's really Yep. So. The band left. They said they had
0: another mm-hmm. gig. So they gone.
1: Alright. And you know what? It's, I just I just realized I don't I don't think, you know, just one last time for that uh ten second performance. I forgot I forgot I forgot this little nugget that we have. Not great, Bob. <laughs> okay, alright. So.
0: I, I did I miss that, but
1: so yeah. I should've uh, should have used that button a little bit more throughout the uh, throughout the yes. time. But at any rate, um, I'm Weldy. Uh, you can find me at More Clappers M O A R More Clappers, and Andrew. Okay. Um, you can find him. Uh, uh, send him, send an email, him an email. Uh, Huskieshockeypodcast Hockey Podcast at Gmail dot com.
0: We mentioned it too. Um, we don't think we're going to have a show next week, but if there's enough news, we might. So I suppose your best bet would just be following Weldy's Twitter account and he'll let you know. But we'll either be here next week or probably like first part of May. So
1: Yep, first part of May we'll probably have some portal updates and um things along those maybe lines. A schedule. Um, or at least a partial schedule. Maybe Yep. Maybe a schedule that uh that we'll be able to kind of rehash and then um we have uh we have some uh burners in the fire for a really exciting June podcast. Um, Once we get everything kind of situated, maybe a little bit of a teaser for you. uh, But uh, let's just say that uh, uh, fans, I think uh, are going to get a kick out of it. Um, So once uh, we get everything lined up for June, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, until next time, go Huskies. Woo -woo. Woo. Woo.